Hello and welcome to episode 196 of the Random Town Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And we're calling this episode, Drop It Like It's Hot. And in honor of that, you once turned me on to this remix of um, Snoop Dogg and, and Kirby. It's the best remix. As far as I'm concerned, oh, there it goes. So yeah, that's what our episode is. Whether you like it or not. As far as I'm concerned, that's the only that. version of the song that exists. I mean, there is also the Pharrell one where he's going to snoop, but it's not as good. I didn't even, as far as I'm concerned, that doesn't exist. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, because yeah. I think one implies the other. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we're calling it this. We're calling it Drop It Like Hot. We played Snoop Dogg because there was a lot of drops. There were news drops. There were shadow drops of games and demos. There's the hard drops in Tetris 99. We could finally also drop our multi-episode story arc of where's the Nintendo Direct because we had it. It happened. And we have a lot to say about it, almost perhaps an unhealthy amount of things to say about the Direct. So in this episode, we're going to break down all the news from Mario Maker 2 to Link's Awakening to Fire Emblem. We're going to share impressions of what Nintendo released in tandem with the Direct, which means Tetris 99, uh, Damon X Machina's prologue missions, and the Yoshi's Crafted World demo. It's a lot of stuff. They're timestamps around Nintendo.com, or if you're on the YouTube video, they're directly under this video. Um, yeah, I recommend those if you want to hear anything in particular. Otherwise, we're just going to jump right in. Because no matter what you think about the games that are actually shown in the Direct, you can't deny that Nintendo did not announce a lot of stuff. They had a ton of stuff. They had 28 separate individual games bullet-pointed in their press release. That is, that is a lot. That is two less than 30, but four more than that's 24. That's E3 Direct? I don't actually know. I made no comparisons. I was just like, that's a lot of bullets. Then again, the last E3 Direct, I want to say only had like two games because Smash Brothers pretty much It was basically Smash Bros. Yeah, it was Smash Bros. And that's like, oh, also Star Fox is in this Ubisoft game. Enjoy. <laughs> and that was it. But uh, yeah, so of those 28 yeah, games. Yeah, wasn't one of them literally just Zelda and that's it? Yeah, a couple years ago. Yep. Yeah. So yes, in a way, this is bigger than, than E3. And uh, of the big announcements, arguably the two biggest were what bookended the presentation. We had Super Mario Maker 2 and Zelda Link's Awakening's remake. So uh, Mario Maker 2 kicked off the presentation. Nintendo didn't really have much to say about the game, but they did show a lot. Uh, the biggest feature is apparently slopes. So many slopes. They a spent literally slope, like... If you will. It was a very slippery slope of slopes because they spent like 15 solid seconds just showing Mario running up and down slopes. And it's like, yeah, I, I know it's a big deal, but like that was a lot. That was excessive slopage. I mean, there's some highs and lows. Very much so, yes. Yeah. Um, but luckily the, the the highs and lows of the slopes didn't take up the entire trailer. There's actually some interesting <clears throat> other stuff also shown in the trailer. The most immediate, of course, is the removal of touchscreen controls. Those are now gone. It's now a slick-looking dial used to select different category or parts within a category. And that dial revealed all sorts of new stuff. The Angry Sun from Mario 3 is there. Their stages can scroll vertically as well as horizontally. You can add rising water. There are on-off switches you can trigger. Yeah, so there are climbable the, fences. So you can make like the most stressful stage ever. I guess it would be... Like the sun would have to be involved. It'd have to be scrolling at the fastest speed with and water guess, rising. Yeah, with water rising and falling, and obviously a bunch of slopes. And on top of it, stick that weird Koopa Trooper that doesn't have a shell but is driving a car. That was not in any of the footage. It's in the official art. I don't know I what know it's, what it's, it's about there, or what that's referencing. There was a code. I want to say it was in there, but I want to say like after you beat Super Mario World and you replay the game, like after doing something, you pretty much unlock like a it's like a weird mode where like Koopas. Don't have their shells. Oh wait, no. But they're not driving cars. The dude's driving a little jeep. But but they all have like Mario mascot Disneyland heads or something. Oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's after you beat the special world. Yeah, for some reason I thought I pictured one in a car, but I guess not. But 
Yeah, I don't understand what the Jeep's about, but I'm very intrigued. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think of the removal of stylus support? Because, like, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. It makes sense. Ago. I mean, it doesn't come with a stylus, so they automatically can't assume you have a stylus running around. True. And because of that, I guess you have to make it more finger-friendly because, you know, your but fingers... Is it finger-friendly or is it are the dials more, like, stick-friendly? I feel they're more... They, they seem more stick because you could just swing well, and I, then let go of the stick. I mean, I'm kind of thinking in, um... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm thinking from, like, a handheld mode. I'm thinking, like, what... Because lo- they look like big icons. They just look that too. Like... They're they're both. You, you're right. They're probably. I mean, familiar. it looks like if you activate that, I mean, you could literally like just like swipe and just like tap what you need really quickly. Yeah, and then like, I I'm guess I was wondering how it would actually feel to build a level. Although I'm saying this now, and I'm pretty sure, but I'm like maybe seventy to eighty percent sure I'm not going to get this game. What makes you say that? Um, my history with games about making games has been you play the ones that are pre-built and then you never touch it again. And but, I feel like for me, that's not a worthwhile investment. That's like, I, like I loved Little Big Planet. That one, at least those had enough of a single player mode to carry everything. And then there were some like you know very creative levels. And then Mario Maker had some single player stuff, not that much. And then the, I mean the the pre made levels, or I mean or the levels the fans make are, I mean they really vary. You either get, I mean the most common ones are like impossibly hard levels. Or ridiculously easy levels. There's like right. kind of a weird. There's like no middle ground, at least in that one. That's true. And I don't know. It always sounds fun to build levels, but whenever it gets down to it, I never either never finish one or just never start one. So I already know for a fact I'm gonna regret paying those sixty bucks. Like I love the homages. I love the fact that it's happening. But I'm pretty sure. Even I mean, also given the fact Smash Brothers exists, like. Who That's gonna be the through line of this episode. Is I'm gonna be like, what do you think of this game, Angel? And you're like, well, Smash Brothers exists. Oh well, yeah, especially <laughs> for Mario Maker because that's that's a game you don't technically beat. You just kind of keep playing Play forever. Yeah. I mean, single player games aren't really as affected by the the existence of Smash Brothers. Yeah. I that's... mean, story based or whatever you want to call them. That's true. I th- I think what honestly what games caught... with an ending. Ga- a... Yeah, games with a finite ending. Yeah. yeah. I think what honestly what caught my eye with Mario Maker two because like I also don't really. I mean, build levels, you know that. Yeah, you barely play them to begin with. <laughs> yeah, I barely play them, let alone build them. But what caught my eye with Mario Maker 2 is, like, they're kind of breaking out of what you would assume would be the normal, like, confines of a game like this. Like, I like that it's a sequel, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's nice that's not new Super Mario Brothers Or new Super Mario Maker. Or Super Mario Maker Deluxe. Or whatever. Yeah, it's a full-on sequel. But what, what caught my eye is the inclusion of 3D World. Like, Mario 3D World is yeah. in the game. In quotation marks. But the, yeah, well, it's interesting because if you think about it, Mario 3D World is basically a 2D Mario game. They just had the, the Z-axis turned 90 degrees. So you're going into the screen. So they just turned it back. The huge, basically, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean fundamentally. Right. I, yeah. At the most fundamental level. Yeah, level. They, they pretty much took the idea of a 2D Mario game and just made it 3D. Yeah. But so if they were to retroactively scale it back to 2D, you couldn't do it with Odyssey. You couldn't yeah, do it they with made, Galaxy. You could do it with 3D Yeah, they World. made 3D World worse. Yes, I get it. Sure, but I think what I think what uh, what's exciting to me about it is yeah, it's not 3D world in that sense, but it the opens cat, up. Yes, I agree. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. It opens up a lot more possibilities because that cat, you know, having the bell, having cat Mario means you can climb up walls, you can climb up platforms, and it may be wishful perfect th- inclusion. Perfect inclusion. It may it may be wishful thinking on my part at this point, but I'd love for them to just go like, oh, sure, we'll do more weird one-off game inclusions. Like, I would love to see them bring Mario 2 and all its turn-ups and carrying mechanics into Mario Maker. I'd like to see just a Mario 64 aesthetic that looks like, uh, that like the polygonal. polygonal. Yeah. Or at the very least, if they want to you know, make it more normal, I guess they could bring new Super Mario Brothers DS. 
then it just looks. You, I mean, that game pretty much looks like Super Mario sixty four. Yeah, the first one, and you'll have versus the HDFI. You have have the Koopa shell that you get into. You have the mini mushroom and the mega mushroom. Yeah, yeah, those will all be cool because I think mini mushroom would be interesting. And like, and even let's be honest, even if Nintendo didn't want to like do all these gameplay enhancements on top of, you know, like Cat Mario, you can climb things. Mini mushroom, you shrink. If they gave us like the Super Paper Mario aesthetic, just as an aesthetic, that would be cool looking. Or even like, I can't expect them to flip worlds, but it's very distinct. It's very different. Uh, see, now, now that you sound, this sounds like the perfect game, like a Paper Mario Maker. That'd be cool. Because that one, like, literally looks like something someone built, like, with arts and crafts, like, with found materials. Like, it's like, I mean, it's basically a little big planet at that point, but yep. make it an RPG maker. Oh. That way, that way you get to build everything however you want, and the combat is simplistic enough that you could, you know, easily create battles and I, I plop think... enemies around. I feel like that would be, that would get me excited, and I would probably get that one, and Still not building anything, but I wouldn't regret it just because it's if, awesome. If they made a Paper Mario Maker, let's be honest, it would be sticker collecting, not an actual RPG. That's all Paper Mario is these days. But no, um, with with Mario Two or Mario Maker Two, I would just you love get to... to pick what combat you want. You could pick what oh, you want cool. Mario, yeah, Paper Mario One, <laughs> or I guess Sticker Star because it's pretty much one or the other. Yeah, or Color Splash. I guess if you want to have three art styles, you have Color Splash, Sticker Star. No, Color all Splash, kind of the same art style. <laughs> Color Splash, Thousand Year Door. And the first one. Yeah. Yeah, that could work. But but within the realm of what's actually happening with Mario Maker, um, what I'd love to see in a more – like this is also a pipe dream. It's just possibly more plausible is like have different gameplay options within each Mario Maker interface. I mean Cat Mario is always, already going in that direction. Turn up some Mario 2 would be going in that direction. And if you think about it, having each theme play exactly the same way actually kind of takes away from the design choices, right? Because like – Themes are the unique hook. Themes can add more variability and freedom to do what you want, but they all play exactly the same. If it's like, oh, well, here's a ghost house in the original Mario because you wanted to see what that would be like because we gave you this style and we gave you this option and they have to work together. Like, no, they don't. You can have freedom of choice. Like, if they do that, think about, like, maybe this would be more of a value add for you too. Like, you, someone who doesn't want to buy a game. The 100 Man, or the 100 Man, the 100 Mario Challenge could be per game type. So you're basically getting like five Mario games when you buy it. Mm. Like I don't know why they're so – in the original at least, so locked into the idea of they all have to be intercompatible and they're just a looks thing. They don't have to be. Cat Mario proves well, it. I mean the first one has some exclusive stuff between them. Like Yeah, but I'm saying they should like lean in on that all the Actually, way. Like I think Mario World is the only one that could use the cape. And that, same, yeah. And same thing with like the old school Mario. That's the only one that could use the special. Well, yeah, I guess they're not going to model 3D characters. Yeah, every that, amiibo. Yeah, but that's why it's like I think they. Well, can, yeah, that's just take that further. Yeah, just go one step further. And like the more I think about it, the more I'm like this. I so two episodes ago we talked about what can Mario Maker two be under the context of Mario Maker on 3DS coming out, and they would need to separate them in some way, or not coming out, but uh, being a Nintendo Select. And uh, at the time, we had this idea of, oh, it'd be cool if they had a world builder and you can air connect your levels and whatever and build your own little, like, game and put it on the shelf. And, like, that'd be cool, but what seems more plausible and has less dev work and actually means more gameplay variation and more to do would be just, like, all these separate 100 Mario challenges for each type of game that plays up each type of each game's unique gameplay. That's the real dream. And will Nintendo do this? Who knows? Like, right now, they're not even confirming whether 3D World is being added or replacing mario use theme and even weirder they're not confirming if mario maker 2 actually supports two players even though in screenshots there's a two-player button 
and the artwork is literally Mario and Luigi side by side in their construction gear, ready to co-op their way through life. So why do people have doubts just because the Nintendo fact says the player? Well, Nintendo says the player count on like if you go to the Nintendo.com game page to be determined. So hmm. I'm thinking maybe it means there's going to be four, not you know maybe they're going above two, not only to two. But it's weird that they're not saying That'd be so. Interesting. Yeah, I mean we only have a little time until they're finally going to reveal the game's out in June, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's already determined how many characters they have. Yeah, but still, like, tell us at least. Like, why are you being mysterious? No one's going to be like, well, I wasn't going to buy it. But once you said it has four players, I'm in. It's like, no, nah, if you're buying it, you're buying it. If you're not, you're not. That's just a value add at that point. So, I don't know. So that's Mario Maker 2. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty weird coincidence in terms of the timing since we literally just talked about what would be a good Mario Maker 2. And even stuff that we said a couple episodes ago popped up. Desert level, ice level, it's all there. Uh, but the other bookend of the direct was, of course, the Switch remake of The Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. What'd you think of that? Um, I guess when I saw it, I was like, "Oh wow, I played this game many times, <laughs> at least the the first like two minutes." Right. And because I never owned it, I just kept borrowing people. Well, not even borrowing; like they would just be, "Hey, you want to play it?" And I'm like, "Sure." And then after two minutes, I'm like, "All right, I'm good. I don't like, I don't want to play a whole Zelda game right now." On the spot, yeah, on your Game on, Boy. On a Game Boy of all things. So, but now that's on a Switch, and you could play it over a prolonged period of time because save functionality is a thing. Um, and I think it was back then, but you are aware of it now, at least. Um, are you going to get it? Um, probably not. Because Smash and... Bros. Please make that the running theme. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, something about it, it, it just feels... I don't know. I, I guess I'm just naturally a little less hesitant to play a, a top-down Zelda than a 3D Zelda. Interesting. Like, top-down Zelda is like... I don't know. I just feel like... Actually, I, I can't even really say that because one of my favorite ones is Minish Cap. I guess it's just... This one just doesn't resonate. Yeah, like, I didn't I didn't really care too much for Link to the Past or um, Link Between Worlds. I, I mean, love I, I never even played Link Between Worlds. Ah, yeah. Because I, I knew I didn't like a Link Between... A Link to the Past that much. I'm more like, so why would I care for right, the, the spiritual sequel. Success, yeah, successor. yeah. And this one, like, I mean, I like that the art style pretty much looks exactly how you would imagine the game looks if they literally just made it CG. Like, when you're looking at the gameplay, that's literally it. I love the look of this game. But I will say that seeing it was, I don't know, I I guess because um, this other game, I guess because Resident Evil 2 exists. um, (laughs) Do you have the weirdest, okay, go ahead. Weirdest connection, but sure. So this game, like, it's a remake, but it's actually more of a reimagining because the other one, Resident Evil 1, Resident Evil, well, the first Resident Evil 2 was fixed cameras. Every time you move, like, a set distance, like, the camera just immediately changes to the next one. It's almost kind of, I guess it's more cinematic in that way. Sure. But the new one, like, pretty much reinvents everything because now you have the camera constantly following you. They change the location of a lot of enemies and how the game goes, flows from one place to the other. Yeah. Like, it, calling it a remake is definitely, feels like, not correct at this point. It definitely feels like a reimagining. And I just felt like, like Capcom could have totally just made the exact same game, but just make the graphics modern, which is right. literally what Nintendo did. And yeah, that's what I they're doing. I mean, I mean, it's shot for shot, item yeah. for item, Emmy for Emmy, the same game. And I was actually really happy that Capcom went this way because, I mean, I definitely prefer this style more. Like um, Revelations made me fall in love with this kind of gameplay. I probably would have fallen in love with it earlier if I played Resident Evil Four when it came out on GameCube, but yeah, I missed that boat until. 3DS, but I'm glad I finally jumped on because Resident Evil 2 has just been amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, so scary and whatnot. But if it was in that fixed camera mode, it probably would have been a little more hesitant to play. I've started sure. with a bot on it, but I wouldn't be as hyped for it. 
And I was kind of hoping A Link Between Worlds would get that same treatment. I mean, A Link Between... Uh, Link's Link, Awakening. A Link's Awakening would get yeah. that treatment. It's like, all right, you already have the Breath of the Wild engine. I feel like it'd be awesome to reimagine so, the game in a way that makes it new but familiar. That way... Because I know for a fact there's people out there that have played this game hundreds of times. And I'm sure they'll be just as happy to play the game 101 times. Like, just it's slightly new yeah. code. They're going to be like, oh, this is where this is. This is where that is. But to me, that feels like... That's kind of lame. Like, it's like you already beat the game like let's give everybody new and old like something brand new i think uh you know the thing about Link's awakening that's interesting is uh well firstly first firstly personally first i'm very excited because i actually this is the only zelda game i've ever played or one of the only zelda games and uh i get that it's on virtual console and you can get it at a time but i did it and now i can in hd so that's great but beyond just me 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 my point is uh what i was gonna say is what's kind of noteworthy about Link's awakening to your point that people have played a hundred times this is actually one of the very few games in the zelda series maybe the only one that nintendo has not milked to death over the years we've gotten countless ocarinas multiple majoras look at that alliteration Didn't we get two versions of we, this? we got the dx one and the normal one? and that's it and it's been over 20 yeah, years yeah, since anything enough. but look, we got at least two link to the past we got two twilights two wind wakers a bunch of re-releases of the nes zelda and yet link's awakening kind of skirted that we got, yeah, we got the two. original in 93 we got the colorized, exact same colorized, a couple years later. It's been over 20 years since Nintendo's done anything with this That's game. That's because they already, they, um, they went through their two faster than others, and they were just like, all right. Almost all but the not ones, really, almost all the ones like, you named were like two, and that's it. Yeah, This one just I happens guess. to get the remaster early on because... Because color. <laughs> I mean, not only that, but I'm pretty sure they're like, well, you want a Link, you want a Link, oh my God, there's so many names now. Um, you Link's want, Awakening. Yeah, you want Link's Awakening, like on a console we'll just play a link to the past you want links awakening on this no nah, i don't think they're comparable links awakening is way weirder from everything i've heard i mean well i mean it's yeah, not weird in like, dialogues are weird but i mean if you just like kind of ignore that and just look at the gameplay it's identical it's very it's, yeah it's, it's it, still, it was designed as the handheld companion just, of yeah it's literally just yeah. the the mario brothers 2 that game was really weird it had rubber balls instead of fireballs yeah sphinxes and koopas that explode instead of turning into shells Meanwhile, but Zelda it, Link's Awakening has Goombas and Chain Chomps and Kirby but, randomly attacking you. But, so. <laughs> but all things considered, it's still just a Mario game. Yeah. Like, it's just weirder, but it's just... I mean, if anything, that's, like, the hook it needed to get attention on, like, the handheld one. Like, all right, it's makeup, it's right. lack of visuals for... Yeah. Like, I don't know, extra quirkiness. Like, I, I will that quirkiness to 11. I will say, though, like, even if Nintendo's just doing this at face value, they... They, they know how to do it right like they know how and when to lean on nostalgia like it's kind of in the same way that like Breath of the Wild was a reintroduction of Zelda for Laps fans like this remake kind of appeals to a similar mindset because like granted it's nowhere near as drastic of a change you made that point like, they could have reimagined it it's just a remake but I bet there's a ton of people who have sunk time into Link's Awakening as a kid and now they're these Laps gamers that are perfect for the Switch with you know their dad gamer ads or to sing on airplanes playing Final Fantasy and it's like hey remember this game here it is again as you remember it just modernized versus actually changing it into a 3D Zelda. See, I feel like modernizing it is kind of a stretch because I mean it's not really modernizing it. They're just well, they're, they're modernizing visually. the visuals. That's it. But it's such a cool Resident visual. Evil 2 was modernizing it because they literally changed the gameplay to match what yeah, modern games are that's doing. That's fair. I think I think uh, I mean like Breath, Breath I don't of, think I would want this in the Breath of the Wild. But Breath engine, of a Wild Breath of a Wild is you could almost say it's like a modernization of the first Legend of Zelda. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I really dislike playing the first Legend of Zelda. It's like really slow. And I think all those top-down 2D Zeldas are pretty much just that, but just more polished and a lot more refined. And Breath of the Wild was like, all right, cool. I can actually do this. And I mean, obviously, 
if they use the engine, it just means they're just using the engine. Yeah. Like, it's just going to play kind of the same way, but every, the structure is going to be completely different. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, mean, I, I mean, that would make me more excited. Obviously, there's nothing, different structure, different there's nothing codes, yeah. really bad about the fact that this exists. I'm just saying that because Resident Evil 2 showed me that you can reimagine the game in a very exciting new way, I figured, like, well, This why? is playing it too safe. Yeah, it, it just felt safe. I'm all like, yeah, it just felt like, yeah. At least they're doing a good job of, like... Because the other one exists, I just felt underwhelmed, I guess. Yeah, I know I get what you mean, but it, it's... Like, oh, this could have been cooler. I think part of it is, though, they used to always have 2D Zeldas and 3D Zeldas. Handheld Zeldas and console Zeldas. This is the first one that started crossing that line now that the Switch has merged the two ideas into one console. So, like, if this was on, say, a 3DS HD, it'd make total sense. But because it's on Switch, there's that kind of, like, well, why feeling I think that you're getting. Because, like, you wouldn't expect a Resident Evil 2-style remaster of Link's Awakening if they came out with it on a 3DS, right? Well, yeah, because, I mean, no, I would. You would? How, at, how would they even work on 3D? I guess re- like look at Revelations. That like that's not a remake. That's a whole new game. No, I know exactly. But like they could have completely remade Resident Evil using Revelations engine. Like I that, guess I I still like appreciate that, 2D Zelda games. I think that's if what anything that is to. kind of what Revelations one was because that game just yeah it's just party. on a boat instead of a mansion. Yeah, yeah, and they all take and the pace and everything else is almost identical, which is what made Revelations like so great, especially when the console ones were going in a. I don't know, like Rambo super right. action. Yeah, like mode. what is this? Like, is this Taken but yeah. Resident Evil? Yeah, it's like like okay, at least the handheld ones remember while still reimagining it. Yeah, but I mean, it, it sounds like I'm really down on the game. But... It does. <laughs> it sounds like you just dislike 2D Zelda, and we're hoping they take the 2D scenario and put it into a 3D game. Uh, it, it's and a, I think it, it's another Piranha Plant scenario. Like, yeah, I'm really happy how Piranha Plant turned out. I think. They you just wish awesome they did something else. I just wish it wasn't Piranha Plant. I will say, to Nintendo's credit, um, the way they did the visuals to represent how it's different from Breath of the Wild is actually kind of clever if you think about it. it. It goes deeper than just like, oh, it's cutesy. Like, Breath of the Wild, you know, huge, sprawling open world, right? Endless possibilities. Link's Awakening, first, first portable outing, much smaller. Very limited scope. Very limited scope, very, very pers- limited scale. Yeah. Right, it's a smaller two experience. So, to... Too. You beat the game or you don't. Oh, true. But yeah, so it's like, how do you represent that in a way that expresses it clearly through the art style? And I think they nailed it because what they did is they made everything tiny and toy and toy like. Like, they then threw in the tilt shift to make it seem like really tiny and toy like. It's sort of like, oh, look how small and adorable it is. Like visually, it immediately is telling you this is a different type of Zelda than Breath of the Wild, and this is a different type of experience than if you wanted something that's vast and open because it's this little like toy box and even the music like kind of like instead of this grandiose orchestra it's like this little six piece ensemble like it's it's kind of once they'd settled on yes we're keeping the 2D and yes we're going to do this like kind of smaller Zelda experience they really like expressed it well through how they designed it, kinda, it I feel like at some point in the trailer I kind of thought to myself like like huh this kind of feels like an indie eShop game just really polished no, that's polished as current indie eShop. Games. No, there's there's an extra layer. Yeah, anything, there's literally an extra layer of shine. Slightly worse, actually. I'm <laughs> you just, think? I'm not just no, I'm joking. But yeah, but, but yeah, I did kind of get like an indie, like small scale, e- yeah, indie eShop game vibe from it. Which I feel like to kind of intentionally is sort of like, hey, you have your big Zelda and you have your little Zelda. You have your grand Zelda and you have your pocket Zelda. I'm Zelda that they're better, but you know what? This is all. This is fine. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to buy it. Right. I'm I'm psyched for it. But yeah, it's it's definitely... I know it's not, even the art style has been polarizing to people. Like, this this conversation we're having is happening all over the web right now. Like, I mean, I'm, are, I'm not dissing the art style. I think... No, no, but I mean, like, people have strong opinions about this game more than you would think. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. It's, I wouldn't say it's, like, Zelda levels of, like, you know, 2002 Wind Waker, but 
Oh, it's yeah. pretty. I, I, I've it's seen pretty a lot of the, the funny come where people seem upset without really knowing that the original was that way. Like, we're yeah. like, why is this here? Why is that here? And they're like, oh, because it was? Yeah, like, that's how the game was, you guys. But anyway. I guess some people didn't know it was a remake. Uh, which kind of which boggles my, my how because they, i guess if they're more casual they won't well yeah i mean yeah. that's an, like, how like, dare how dare i assume everyone has my knowledge like, that's, like that's you kind of pointed out like it had sure it had two remakes but they were like both in the 90s i know like the yeah. majority of people like seeing if they're gonna like the one that would probably be the most vocal are gonna be you know like late mid teen mid late yeah. teens and we're not all that definitely probably wouldn't even know this game existed we're not all nintendo historians i yeah. guess <laughs> so yeah. as someone that probably thought this was like an original zelda game they're probably like why did they do this unless they like 2d zelda games in which case because that's the thing it's a 2d zelda game you just gotta well, put this, it in front of you just gotta one, treat it like a different type of game i guess at this point they don't really know i guess they know all of them but they know one. the 3ds ones yeah that's right yeah yeah they know those and technically yeah. this one's for sale on the 3ds eShop, so they could know it yeah anyway those are probably the two biggest announcements mario maker and zelda but i'd say um one more really like blew up online uh and it was everywhere the day of the direct it ended up trending on twitter for yeah. something like 12 straight hours they really dropped the bomb on this one. they really they they dropped it like it was hot uh i'm of course we're of course referring to tetris 99 and arguably it blew up for two reasons one the concept is just crazy enough to work and two, it was available right then and there for people to try themselves. So for free, for free. It, well, if you have a Switch Online, so free if you pay a subscription. They Netflix did essentially. So they're but, making money through the subscription, or how yeah, they they're making money? money. This is a value add for a subscription. Yeah. Oh. So they're trying to get more people to buy a subscription, I think. But basically, let's first talk about the game because what what Nintendo did essentially was enter the battle royale genre in the least expected way with a puzzle game. And I made a joke. Oh, on, so this is. This has no chance of coming to any other console. No, Nintendo made it. They got the license and made it themselves. Oh. And uh, I made a joke on Twitter that it must have been kind of fascinating to sit in the meeting room where Nintendo is like, which IP is the IP that we're going to use to enter the very hot, popular battle royale genre? Like, we have Metroid. We could do, like, uh, you know, a, a Hunter's sort of situation or Star Fox dogfights. You know, you could do Pikmin where you have to have armies of Pikmin against each other. You and I had the idea of, like, it'd be cool if they did Animal Crossing and you had to, like, fight or they have to like go run around town and get items and stuff for nook whoever's last standing gets their mortgage paid off yeah. like there's all these ideas but somehow they settled on tetris which sounds absurd but in reality i'm actually very glad they did because tetris is kind of like tetris 99 is like shockingly good i was surprised at how much i was enjoying it i mean uh, just to i guess walk people through the premise that they haven't tried it out yet there's a little more to it than what's on the surface so at the simplest level it's 99 people all playing Tetris at once against one another until there's only one person left. Now, if all 99 people were dropping garbage blocks on each other, that would be horrible and chaos and it wouldn't work. It'd be unplayable. So what Nintendo did is they came up with this mechanic that's kind of clever. You actually are only targeting some people at once. So basically it goes like this. You're happily dropping your blocks. You're using the face buttons on the left Joy-Con like a D-pad, which is, to be honest, weird feeling. I don't really like it. But you're doing that because the two sticks are used to target people. So the left stick lets you flick specific folks along the, you know, like along the background of all the tables of all the Tetris boards, or you can use the right stick to auto target one of four different groups to, uh, and depending, you know, depending on what direction you hit. So there are people who are attacking you and you can target them back automatically. You can target top players in the match automatically. You can target totally random players automatically, or you can do players with badges. And this is the other interesting layer of Tetris 99 that Nintendo did not 
explain anywhere. There's no tutorial. There's no manual. Um, like if you have no idea, like you you could play the game and have no idea what you're doing, and except playing Tetris and not realize there's this whole second layer of badges going on. So there's a Kotaku article that walks you through it. We link to it in the blog post, or we will link to it in the blog post for future reference if any of you want to check it later. But basically, here's how it works. You earn these things called bits every time you uh, every time you are able to KO another player by putting your garbage blocks on their Tetris. Two bits get you a badge, and then it incrementally grows. So four bits will get you a second badge, eight bits will get you a third badge, 16 bits will get you the fourth and final badge. And these badges matter because each badge will give you 25% more garbage blocks on top of whatever your combo is. So if you have four badges, you're laying down double the garbage blocks on your opponents. And then every time you KO someone, you get their badges stacked on top of yours as well. And this is really where like the battle royale idea comes in because it all contributes to, at least what I experienced, this interesting, weird sense of urgency that I'm not used to having in Tetris. Like I find myself playing way more defensively because I never really know who's going to attack me when and with how many blocks. I can't just like screen peek at the person next to me or whatever because there's 98 people and the game is... It's like kind enough to it, it's kind enough to not hit you with the blocks right away. The impending doom kind of sits to the left in a meter, and there's like a wailing siren that counts down till they come in. And should you generate any of your own garbage blocks in that time, they'll actually cancel out the garbage blocks that are about to hit you in that little waiting area. So that's kind of nice. But um, I found that like I was able, I found that I was able to like kind of do my usual wait and see approach where I just keep stacking away to do like a big three or four combo. You know how most people play Tetris. Like they try and build up the combo and then they go. I found I was able to do that pretty early on when the garbage stacks are small. But what I discovered is that as I progress further with fewer players being left, that's when the garbage stacks get notably bigger. And that's when the badges come in. And that's when suddenly I'm not even paying attention to combos. It's all about just staying alive. And in a way, that's, that's why you yourself need the badges because... If you play like me and start doing two or three row clears instead of four or five row clears because you just want to stay alive, you're playing super defensively, you want to have the double, triple, quadruple garbage block generator because then you're still doing enough damage to actually hold your own against the other five, ten, however many remaining players there are. So if you're a Tetris pro, like you kind of, well, you're not a pro, but if you're a better Tetris player than me, I suspect a lot of your playstyle already meshes well with the system and it might not be as noticeable the whole badges and everything but for me it was very once i understood the mechanics it was very easy to be like oh i need to do this here and this there and this is why and i actually had to adapt my play style as a result which i did not expect from any sort of tetris game to ever have to change how i play tetris but what do you think of it now that i've explained the entire system for everyone um, what's your take I, mean, I thought it was very fun i love tetris in general especially competitive tetris so it was nice to have a game where you get to you know play with 99 people yeah did you did you find the did you well first did you know about the badge system the first couple of times I played it, I had no idea and then when I was researching it I learned this whole thing and it, it all makes sense as you're playing it but did you even know that was there because like I, knew I don't think a lot it, of people I knew it was there do. but I mean I just kind of played how I always played right yeah that's that was my point if you're better at Tetris it kind of I think the playstyle already matches but if you're worse at Tetris like me you have to learn a new playstyle I haven't style. got a number one yet but on average I was I've been like between like four and five I'm usually around like sixteen seventeen yeah not bad yeah it's not horrible. Um yeah, it's 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 a very interesting riff on traditional Tetris because like it just it, it adds like that like I don't know did you feel the like I felt like it was more intense like there's definitely toward the end definitely yeah, towards the yeah. beginning I felt like it's just normal like until you get until I get to like 
top 20, I feel like when I really start to feel it, because I mean, like they start coming down really fast. You start getting like the block warnings a lot more frequent. And depending on the situation, sometimes you're targeted by like a bunch of people at once and you're like, oh, I'm literally being singled out. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, it goes game by game. Yeah. I, I You know, what's actually kind of funny about it is like, theoretically, you could have this exact same mechanic in place without other live players. It could all be AI and technically it would still work exactly the same, but I don't know. There's just something about the live element, the fact that you know there are other people on the other side that, like, it really adds to it, in my opinion. Like, I, I really dig how, like, when you first connect to your match, each screen with each board lights up individually as they join in, like, this kind of one versus 100 sort of thing. And it's it's really cool. Like, the the live player element, even though it's sort of superficial as far as, like, how it affects gameplay, is actually a really nice touch. Hmm. Unfortunately, I feel like the impressiveness stops there because this game is really bare bones. Like, it's as bare bones as they come. It's somewhat understandable. I mean, it is a freebie with your Switch Online subscription, but man, there is not much here. You boot up the game and it's like, do you all go into Versus? Look at your stats or change your options? And that is it. You can't play friends online. You can't play locally, like multiplayer or against computer. There's a single song. The graphics are super bare. Um, The song gets faster. As you it is a get pretty further. funny like Euro techno. It's a great remix because it actually like I noticed I was like bopping to it when I when I hit like the lower fifty and it speeds up. I'm like, ooh, this is like again. I don't know how many of you heard of this song, but it just kind of gave me a vibe from this. It's just like some random song. Sandstorm by Derude. No, oh, this is like okay. some random song I heard in college. Um, the the Trollala song. Oh, the Trollala. Oh yeah, the 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 Russian guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's a meme. I'm sure people know it. God, never have I sounded more out of touch with the youth. That's a meme. People know it. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. But no, it's uh, you know even to be to be fair, Tetris. The one the one good thing it has going for it besides the music is uh, and the gameplay, the loading icon. I like that loading icon. All the little blocks being around in that grid. It's neat. But um, yeah, that's it. There's nothing else. Now, to be fair, it does sound like there may be more coming down the pipe. Um, in the direct, Nintendo promised online events, which is a start. But beyond that, our good old friends that we love to hate, the data miners, they have found additional modes buried in the source code. Hmm. So we are getting more stuff. It'll be, uh, assuming it all comes to fruition, there'll be a local 99 battle against computers. There'll be a team battle mode where it's one group against another group. And there'll be a traditional single player marathon mode for when you just don't want to compete. You just want to like work on your high score. Uh, what we don't know is how you're going to access any of that. I'm actually really curious to see how Nintendo goes about expanding this because right now, as we noted, it is completely free. It comes with Switch Online and it's just, it is what it is. But given its popularity, Nintendo could easily do in-game purchases to like unlock the rest of the game or they can make the other modes free too and then maybe have in-game purchases for cosmetic stuff like, I don't know, skins or music or Hmm. loading icons or what have you. Um, Like, frankly, it's all very uncharted territory for nintendo because they've never really augmented an online service with a freebie like this in part because they never had a paid online service before switch online so whether or not that means tetris 99 gets paid content i don't know but what i'd actually love to see is for nintendo to do more of this sort of thing like we whenever we talk about online we've done on the show a bunch of times we always viewed the value adds of an online service as being things that just better facilitate the core online gaming experience you know like if it's you know if nintendo's gonna insist on that silly voice chat app then what 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 makes the app what makes the service valuable to us maybe it's not voice chat maybe it's not messaging if they're going down that road 
sure, give us some exclusive games. That's fine. Like, give us games that have a really heavy online component. That's fine. Like, the fact is, the game themselves work great. Like, if you think about it, no one's really talking about this, but Tetris 99 is very impressive by Nintendo Online standards. Dedicated servers, you're in a game within 10 seconds, there's zero lag, zero issues, there's no down, there no downtime when the thing blew up and went viral. And if Nintendo's saying that they'll deliver those experiences, but with exclusive games on top of whatever online games you play regularly, like Smash or ARMS or Kart or what have you, I'll take it. Fine, go ahead and ruin a voice chat. This is a decent enough value for 20 bucks. Like, it's kind of, I mean, they're so, they sort of told us they were doing this strategy since day one to switch online. We just never really noticed. Like, the NES games are literally this. I just don't think any of us read it that way. Yet now with Tetris 99, I'm starting to wonder, like, what else could they do? Because, um... Indeed. Yeah, because, like, after our last episode, and I think they're doing stuff, because after our last episode, Nintendo put out their translated transcript for the Q&A portion of their financial briefing. There are a lot of pieces here. Uh, and there was this interesting comment made by... Shintaro Furukawa, Nintendo's president, and he mentioned that there's a growing percentage of Switch Online subscribers who are now opting for shorter one-month subscriptions compared to back in October when everyone was buying one-year subscriptions. And Nintendo wants to combat that, and he wants to do it by, and I quote, building relationships with consumers and enriching the content, which he then followed up by saying, uh, and again quoting here, this includes planning ways to boost the appeal of the service on a yearly basis. So here's my theory. This is a long way to go, but here's my theory. Tetris 99 is a test. Because, yeah, they can do enhancements, like I said, like voice chat at any time, and that's fine. Like, in fact, they just did a deal with uh, Vivox, the company that does the voice chat for Fortnite. They gave them cross... Uh, they gave them access on Switch to do cross-platform voice chat with anything, any game. Any developer can plug into that SDK. Obviously, it'd be better if it was baked right in on the system level, like if Nintendo's like, we will just embrace this as part of the Switch OS. But hey, this is at least a start. And uh, my point is, even even if they do install Vivox at some point on the system level, like, is that going to fix this problem of people subscribing yearly versus monthly? Like, how many people are not signing up for Switch Online because they're like, give me Smash Online with voice chat or give me no Smash Online at all? Like, is that really that big of a group that's like, I will not play unless I can talk to the other person without a smartphone? I feel like that's not the issue here. So what I think is actually happening is, like I said, Tetris 99 is probably a test. And it's part of the same train of thought as the NES games, eventually the Super Nintendo games, and Nintendo can continue to roll out new Switch Online exclusive games in the same way that you know Netflix does shows. They can get people to sign up because you won't want to miss out on that hot new thing that drops in out of nowhere. And I think, crucially, shadow dropping the games is actually what kind of makes the difference. Like, Tetris 99 worked because it was shadow dropped. No one knew it was coming. No one... You know, you want to surprise people because... They'll stay subscribed because they don't want FOMO. They don't want to be like, oh, man, I'm really, like, you know, I'm really losing out on whatever game X, Y, and Z, and I could buy my monthly subscription every time one of those comes out, but now it's more expensive than just getting a yearly. I should just get a yearly. Like, that, I think, is what Nintendo's trying to do, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there because imagine if they did that with something like Mother 3. Like, let's say three months from now, they're like, hey, Mother 3, pass the controller online with your friend it's out switch online only that would blow up and what's interesting is just recently game informers uh one of game informers editors was saying nintendo pumped the brakes on mother 3 because i guess some of the content was deemed too offensive i don't know what i didn't know there's anything Probably. offending. i mean there was some 
Was there? There was some. Um, I don't remember anything about it. I don't know about Mother 3 because it never came out here, but I know uh, Mother 2 had some questionable stuff. I mean, it obviously got released, but. Right. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, Mother 3 had stuff like that. I mean, there was, like, implied release brutality on children. On, oh, yeah. And Mother, that's true. Two, Mother 2. Yeah. There was um, what is obviously a reference to the Ku Klux Klan. Right. But they were blue. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, but let's say, like, Let's say the content's Make adjusted. The world happy. I mean, come on. Yeah, that that's true. Let's say the content was adjusted, or they raised the ESRB ring, and like, okay, fine, it's a mature rate game, whatever. Like, if you're, Damn, if, if they were to, yeah, that'd actually be nuts. <laughs> the gritty reboot of type. Mother <laughs> of Earthbound. You see DC's logo come out in front right before the game. <laughs> the, the, specifically, the DC logo, um, not the, the current circle, the 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 prior one. Yeah. The gritty DC age. But yeah, like if you if they were to do <laughs> Zack that, Zack Snyder's name comes yeah, out. produced by Zack Snyder. Um, but if they were to release Mother Three, gritty or not, if you're not part of Switch Online, they put on Switch Online. You want to check it out? You will want to get Switch Online. You'll realize it's more cost effective to just keep subscribing because they keep putting out stuff. Plus for Nintendo, all these small releases are kind of filler between bigger titles too. I mean, like think about what we got in the direct: Tetris Ninety Nine, the Yoshi Crafted World demo. A pretty lengthy prologue mission demo for uh, Damon X Machina. Like, obviously, these three things don't fill the two month void between Mario U and Yoshi's Crafted World, but they are smack in the middle of that gap and they give us something fresh to do in between. So, imagine if Nintendo did that as a surprise with some sense of regularity within Switch Online every couple months. Like, that's a cool reason to subscribe. Yeah. So, I think, I think it, I think that's the direction they're going. And if you think about it, like, I'm just pitching the benefits of Shadow Drops and in-game events as a whole at this point like I'm not even talking about Switch Online just the idea of like continuous services being what they are like with every step we take further into that world subscriptions to Switch Online actual games and services games like Fortnite or more recently Apex Legends like the more we're going to see stuff like that I think um, we're going to see stuff like that more because it keeps people engaged long term which means more money I think a really good example of this actually is that Marshmallow concert that popped up in Fortnite like what a week or two ago. He is a DJ for those who don't know. He's like Dead Mouse or Daft Punk, but instead of having a mouse or, or robot helmets, he wears a giant marshmallow and he played a 10 minute set inside the game. They actually synced up things so like players were able to fly with key moments in the music. They sold in game items that are tied to the event, kind of in the same way you'd buy like a shirt at a concert, except these were obviously digital. And craziest of all, they had 10 million concurrent players taking part in the concert oh so, so they're just keep upping it because first they had that yeah. singularity event or whatever yeah it was. they keep doing these all the time and just give you an idea of how big that is 10 million is more people than uh is a higher number of people than how many people to wow this sentence is difficult for me i'm trying to say more people went to the marshmallow concert in game than watched the vmas last year huh. and it's roughly half of the viewership of the grammys last weekend now the grammys is a four-hour show Features dozens of artists. Meanwhile, one game with one artist for ten minutes is able to get half of those ratings. That's wild. <laughs> that is pretty ridiculous. Like, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And I, I kind of, if they do another one, I think I would actually want to check it out. Yeah, I would honestly check it out. I didn't know about it till it was already happening. Like, because I don't pay that close of attention what if to Fortnite Kanye anymore. Appeared in one? Would you definitely? Well, in, in modern not, day or, Kanye or, or, or pre pre meltdown Childish Gambino. Okay, yes, hundred percent, yes. Uh, <laughs> but he'd probably get lower numbers than Marshmallow because I feel like no, most kids me, probably. Uh, yeah, no, Marshmallow is very kid friendly, yeah, and EDM is very kid friendly. And yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Like, I, I mean, I work in elementary school, so I hear Marshmallow thrown around all the time, and surprisingly, six nine. Ha! <laughs> That's funny. Six nine's still in jail though. Yeah. Six nine snitching. Six nine. Six nine's uh, 
admitting he got friends to do stuff for him, and um, now they're gonna very go. Very quick, funny thing. Um, we I had the kids. Um, I was I was at a, a third grade class for a whole week. Yeah. Um, the teacher was off in Paris, and we at one point we had the kids make hearts for Valentine's Day. Just color them up. Like color. Did someone make a Takashi card? Well, they had to color the heart, the hearts however they wanted. Sure. And then I walk around and I'm like, huh, this one looks interesting. He's like, oh yeah, it's six nine. I'm like, oh yeah, I see you gave them dollar bills and even wrote six nine on the hat. Well, I'm, I'll show wow. you Jason. He could it's, um, describe it. So, thank you for bestowing this this honor to me of describing this because I don't even know where it begins. So it's it's a heart, just yeah. a heart. It's a heart. Grader, it's an so anthropomorphic heart. So he's like eight nine years old. Eight or nine years old, and made this anthropomorphic or colored in an anthropomorphic heart that has arms and legs, and a top hat, and gloves and feet. And I think he just colored the colors, but he made everything the color of Takashi Six Nine's hair, essentially, and then put a giant Six Nine in the hat. And I assume when you saw it, you just went nice, right? <laughs> kind of. I didn't. Really know <laughs> I mean, sixty nine, nice. That's how that goes. That's what the internet taught me. You're supposed to respond. Yeah, with. and you can't really, even Trump made a and, nice. And you can't really tell, but. Behind the hat, he actually cut the top part of the paper in a way to make it his bandana. Oh, you're right. Yeah, this kid. Man, that's a bad eight, role model for yeah, children. Yeah, for an eight now. year old, I'm like, I was just, I don't know much about six nine. I just know that eight year olds shouldn't be looking up to him. No, he, they should not. I mean, if any, Most like, if you shouldn't be looking up, if to you him. have to pick some one hit wonder rapper with with colorful hair, Lil Pump at least isn't in jail and didn't try and kill someone. So and didn't do tax evasion or whatever it is. So you know, pick your battles. Be part of the Gucci gang, not whatever. Takashi does Fifi, Feifei, whatever that song's called. Anyway, the point I'm trying to get at with the Marshmallow concert oh, yeah, is... Oh, yeah, I forgot what uh, we're talking about. Yeah, Marshmallow. I was going to say, I think it's a great demonstration of how, like, these sorts of games and services thrive and why Nintendo's probably moving this way with Switch Online and stuff like Tetris uh, 99 because, like, you know, you want fresh, new, unique things to keep people engaged. And one-time experiences or special events like the Marshmallow concert, they're kind of like in-game Super Bowls in a way. Obviously on a smaller scale but they're water cooler moments you want to be part of it your friends want to be part of it you don't want to miss out so that's why they happen and I mean like it makes so much money for them as a result because people just continue to feed into it I mean like compare compare modern day games and services to like the big one time release of day of games back in the day and it's like night and day so Epic the guys who put out Fortnite they made 3 billion dollars in 2018 yeah. and if you look at like more traditional publishers it's insane how much more money they're making with the services model than when they only did the one-and-done releases. I dug up old numbers because I got curious. And did you know, as of last October, Activision and EA combined grew by a combined $78 billion since they started doing any sort of live game, meaning DLC, in-game events, any of that, back in 2012? Hmm. That's a huge growth. I mean, obviously, that's not entirely... Did you have to get what was the first game with DLC? Um, I did not. My guess... For Activision, it was probably Call of Duty or Guitar Hero. Mm. And for EA, I would guess it was like Madden or something, but I don't really know, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's it's just like crazy that they grew that much. And obviously, it's not all due to live games or games of services, but it's part of it. And like uh, a good example of like exactly the impact of a live game, Ubisoft, they put on an interesting stat last year that a one-time release would traditionally earn them 13% uh, of their first-year revenue in the second year. But a live gaming, any sort of post-release support, they would earn 52% of what they earned in the first year and the second year. That's a lot of money left on the table if you don't do a live game, if you don't do a service. And those numbers are a year old. They're from February of 2018. So I'm pretty sure that 52% is even higher now as they really like dove in. So it's probably 
you know, it's probably why actually um, EA did a total 180 with Apex Legends. That game came out of nowhere, which is not at all how EA ever has released anything. They do months and months, if not years, of pre-release marketing and hype building. Then they release the game to hopefully huge day one sales, and then they kind of let it slowly fade away. Or now they try and, you know, do DLC. But with Apex, it was interesting because they threw it out there day one, free to play, no warning. They borrowed some of Fortnite's monetization strategies, and they're now raking in the dough because, like, they have 25 million players in a week. 25 players in a million oh million yeah they're 25 players guys they're making so much cash 25 players <laughs> Damn, they are, are the biggest really rich players they are the biggest whales you can find and they are so into it no they have 25 million that's crazy like that number is just mind-boggling i mean granted not every game can do that in a week apex had the uh beauty of having respawn be the developer and it just looks like a really cool game like it's a traditional mix of like a first-person shooter with a battle royale game it, it kind of like it, it i i would actually love to try it if i had a system it was on but but still the fact that ea took this approach of all companies i think speaks volumes to this like shift that's happening where it's going from one-off one-time products to services and i think something like tetris 99 directly plays into that just on a smaller scale and intends to keep moving that direction but i am curious since i brought apex have you checked it out what do you think of it i haven't had a chance to check it out unfortunately because it being a PC game at the moment. No, it's on PlayStation and Xbox as well. It's on PlayStation. It's well, on all three. Switch is the only one. Switch and mobile. Well, are the because two. Resident Evil Two exists. <laughs> um, we should rename the podcast. Jason talks about a lot of stuff, and then Angel interjects with, "But Smash Bros. and Resident Evil." <laughs> it's a long name. I don't think it would fit on. I mean, I wonder but... what the next one will be. Because for a while, it was because God of War exists, but yeah. I beat that game already. But. You just have tunnel vision with your games, which is totally fine. You do, that's well, how you beat them. Yeah, I don't it, beat it, my it, games. It, it, that, that, I'm not that, a... That's what I like, I mean, you kind of have to if you want to beat a game through. You're arguably the better gamer, or the better example of the true gamer than me, like with your limited which scope companies here. don't really like, because, I mean, depending on how long a game is, it's like, if I want to beat you, I have to dedicate that time to it, but the games just don't stop coming. It's ridiculous, especially when you have... I will say this. When, the, when we had the Wii U, when I only had a Wii U... It did kind of suck when we had those many, many droughts. Yeah. But when I had the Wii U and the PS4, it almost had it almost perfect. felt perfect because whenever there wasn't games there, there were games on the PS4. But now there's just too many. And never mind the fact that there's always games and services I was just talking about. Like no game is dead. You can't be like I'm done with this game because then it's like what are you talking about? It's season 22 where we introduce yeah. the wacky hammer. It's like oh, I guess I'm playing the wacky hammer. Yeah. Now. The, th- the sad thing is that as much as I would like to really get into some of these games, I can't because Smash Brothers exists. <laughs> you're like a broken record except except you're actually saying two different things so you're like two records you're like two dueling records but yeah but I'm never completely repeating myself no I know, I I know. This thing for anyway I, I get it yeah because like sure I want to play Splatoon I want to get good at it but it's like no if I want to keep getting better at Smash Brothers you kind of can't play other infinite playtime games this like, is why you, you, you kind of pick your horse and just ride it to the sunset and your single player games I mean those are your guns the, I guess this is why or your bullets you should just never be good at any game and then you can play all the games take it from me the guy that sucks at games it's like (laughs) that silence said everything (laughs) but uh yeah but i don't know like i mean apex legends like i started it seems cool like i like the idea that it's it's battle royale but it's played like a first person shooter it doesn't have the building stuff from fortnite like i get why people like fortnite but like having to juggle all that combat with the building with spending forever just looking for people it's just kind of this weird like Apex looks like it's the right pacing for me personally. 
So what I'd, what I'd love to see, and I I know you won't love to see this because it's just one more game you can't play because you're busy with Smash Bros. and or Resident Evil and or God of War and or whatever the next game is. But I'd love to see Respawn take a cue from Fortnite and actually bring Apex Legends to the Switch. I mean, at least then I'll check it out for a day or two. Right? Yeah, like so far they're only saying they have nothing they can talk about. But remember that rumor back in January about EA stepping up its Switch support? We talked about it on the show. The one where someone found an EA devs resume on LinkedIn. It listed them building SDKs to support Switch. And we're like, oh, huh. His profile is Anthem Battlefield. He must be talking about the Frostbite engine. Is Frostbite coming to Switch? Is EA going to step up with Switch? Well, he has since removed the Switch reference because, you know, he got in trouble, I would assume. But in a fun new twist, he just added a different reference, Apex Legends. So possibly, this whole time, that SDK that we thought meant Frostbite and that we speculate what would be good EA games to bring a Switch might have actually been about Apex Legends coming to Switch specifically, which is not on Frostbite. I mean, are people overreading one dude's random LinkedIn page? Absolutely. Um, should he probably not be updating that page repeatedly? And how does he even still have a job? Those are great questions. But nonetheless, it looks like the dude who was previously indicating EA bringing more support to Switch is now specifying Apex Legends. Or he randomly switched teams on a dime. So I think it could actually happen. Like At some point, it could conceivably come to Switch, especially since EA is also reportedly looking, reportedly looking into mobile versions. And if Fortnite can be on both mobile and Switch, I'm pretty sure Apex Legends can too. So, hmm. Also, EA would be idiotic not to do it. Sorry, what were you about to say? No, something? I just said hopefully. Oh, yeah. It'd be idiotic of EA not to do it because here's a fun fact. In 2018, in Europe, the number one played game on Switch was Fortnite of all the releases, even Nintendo Zone. That stats from Nintendo of Europe themselves. Damn. It also... Has been downloaded by all of, over half of, <laughs> all of you, all of mankind. All of, all of mankind. No, it's also been downloaded by over half of all Switch owners. So, like, if EA were to be like, "Yeah, well, let's get in on that," they would have a huge audience to potentially appeal to. So, anyway, we got way off track with the direct. I just all this games of services stuff is very interesting to me, so I felt like mentioning it. Um, there was a lot more cool stuff in the direct, though, particularly from third parties. I mean, we're not gonna go through all of them, but you know, Mortal Kombat 11 looked good. Grid was there. Uh, that rumor of Assassin's Creed compilation come to switch it's true it's only three in liberation however so there's that uh there's disney's zoom zoom which is uh now a party game made by namco bandai but also has the puzzle game inside it Probably but again the best thing they could have done with the zoom zoom honestly yeah but i'm still like i i still can't believe they built a whole like a whole empire, empire <laughs> off little oblong plushes that also make good pieces in a puzzle game yeah you know um pop pop figures that feel like has something to do with it get make get like a, oh totally get like a uniform i don't know model and then just slap and it just, on everything yeah but to pop's credit and they I are guess, breaking their own uniform and i guess uh, people like beans so yeah i guess so but to, to funko's credit uh do you see that a day with peak a day with pikachu uh why did i say a day with pikachu a day with a day with pikachu did you see the two days of pikachu no did you see a day with pikachu line every month they're coming out with a special figurine not Oh pop yeah, yeah, style. yeah. The holiday ones. I yeah. mean, they're still kind of. I mean, when I saw the head, I I didn't know it was pop. I mean, I saw the Pikachu. And I'm like, yeah. wait, is this pop? And then it doesn't sure. have the like. It's not quite pop. It's like some weird like he has half a pop, half yeah, yeah. Basically, that's pretty much the difference. Yeah, and he has a adorable little uh little leprechaun hat. I mean, still off limits because it's Funko, but yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't mind getting some. I I don't think I will, but well maybe. But anyway, there are. You other... have to get the one for me. 
He's gonna have a little tequila bottle. And oh a yeah, Mexican hat. yeah, a tequila and, bottle. Yeah, that's and, and, Pokemon. And, and, and the problem will be like a street light, and he just like kind of. Okay, like, I'm gonna burst up. your bubble. The May one's gonna be Detective Pikachu because Detective Pikachu comes out in May. Also, Lickitung. Lickitung is in Detective Pikachu. They put out Terror Friday. Um, it looks exactly how I envisioned it. I don't understand why half the internet's freaking out. Like, of course, Lickitung looks disgusting. His name is Lickitung. Yeah. <laughs> he has a giant tongue. People are like, why is his tongue wet? It's a tongue. What? It's a tongue. People. I, I, I haven't seen the trailer yet. It's like a 30 second. Because I figured at this point, I just want to keep that movie as fresh as possible. Yeah, I'm so excited for that movie. Uh, but yeah, I could totally understand that. Lickitung. Anyway, no, but in the direct was not Lickitung, but a lot of other games that, um, I don't know what else was there. Dead by Daylight, the concept's cool, it looks kind of rough. Th- that game, I'm really, I don't know, I'm just excited for that game a little, just because, yeah. um, The concept's awesome. Well, because, I mean, it's basically Friday the 13th. Yeah. And... I think it was the OG one, and Friday borrowed its gameplay. Yeah, and it. Obis, um, actually saw him play a ton of Dead by Daylight. That was actually, like, his go-to for a while, and... It's really cool, just like kind of the strategy that goes into it and the different types of monsters. I don't know how in depth this one will go. Yeah. But if they do do like a Dead by Daylight, like catch up bundle where it just has everything that they've done so far, like I'd be in that right away. I assume they will. Just, just because, um, like the default monsters, like they each just play completely differently. Like there's one, like there's a lot of, um, I guess guest appearances. Like you could literally could play as the the Saw doll. You could play as oh, cool. you could play as Michael Myers. You know Halloween, and I like that. Like also that not his, to be confused with Austin Powers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his ability is like if you just stand still and stare at someone from afar. Like the longer you do that, the more power you build up. So you're supposed oh, that's to, awesome. So you're supposed you're supposed to just be a stalker for a while that's before awesome. you go for the kill. Yeah, which is really cool. Like. But yeah, when I saw the trailer, I'm like, whoa, the game did not look this rough. It's rough. Like, it is rough. I don't know. what well, Maybe because like, my, bro- my brother's running it on like, he. I mean, I guess as powerful as you can make a computer a year ago. So do that. Yeah. Top line as of 2018. Yeah, yeah, top, yeah, 20, top of the line. Yeah, top of the line 2018. So, so good. No, yeah. I think, I mean, to be fair to... Uh, Dead by Daylight. It, it's I mean, not out till it fall. as a Dreamcast game, and I'm like, oh, I yeah, it's actually very accurate. But it's not out till fall, so they have a little time to spruce it up. I didn't even really recognize it right away, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, basically the point was, oh, and there's also like uh, the new game from The Undertale, Die starring guy starring a dog, and it's free. I mean, yeah, only the first chapter. I'm kind of surprised they featured that, but then did not bring up Hollow Knight sequel, Silk Song. Like, why not show both? Hollow Knight sold 2.7 million copies. It's a big game. I feel like why would you that not one should get priority over. Right. Shovel well, I think I or yeah, uh, I don't know. It was weird, but anyway, the point is, third party seemed to really be stepping up nicely on Switch, and it's cool to see. And that's not even counting third party news that wasn't in the direct, but should have been. Like, I'm surprised Baldur's Gate and Neverwinter Nights—they're both coming to Switch by way of Skybound Games. I'm surprised they didn't get mentioned at there's all. A, there's another one that I yeah. There's a third one in the licensing deal they did. Oh, you mean separate from that? Yeah, there's another game that got announced that there's a Yu-Gi-Oh game coming, only in Japan right now. Oh, uh, that damn. There was another game that. I know was announced separate from the podcast that I was like, oh, that's You mean the direct? Cool. We don't announce things. <laughs> I wish we announced things here. Can you imagine if we Se- announced Separate things? from the direct, but uh, I'll, I'll remember later. You just blurted out randomly with no context as you normally do. <laughs> normally do. Yeah, I'll just look it up. But but yeah, beyond the third-party games, there were, um, I, I think... I literally type, games not announced at direct during the direct. I, let me know how that goes. I'll start setting up the next little segment here, because what I was going to say is beyond, um, beyond the third-party stuff, beyond what we talked about so far, there were two specific trends that seem to jump out in the direct at least to us at least to me um the first is a good number of these games really lean in on the idea of multiplayer co-op 
So in other words, Nintendo really focused on the type of game that they know works well for Switch. It's you know it's the exact same logic they use for why they keep leveraging all the Final Fantasy nostalgia direct after direct because being able to be like, hey, Final Fantasy Nine is out right now alongside the direct, and Final Fantasy Seven's out next month. Like that's a big deal to the older lapsed gamers that are now back with Switch. Um, that's what sold them on the Switch in the first place, if you think about it. But uh, to that end, we saw a bunch of games that lead pretty heavily on the idea of co-op because that's the other thing that sold people on Switch. And I think the the poster child Wait, of Pandemic is coming to Switch. Pandemic coming to Switch. When was that announced? I don't know, but it's coming out in March apparently. Huh? Is that the same Pandemic? Oh wait, we know about wait. Do we? So Pandemic is you know the board game. Yeah. Um, oh, they did announce. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah they, they did. announced it when they announced yeah. Catan and all those other. Yeah, yeah, they announced it in that yeah thing that you yeah. get that comes with those games or something. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, what were you talking about? Well, as I say, so co-op. What were you talking? What was that, Jesse? Go back to go back to rambling. Uh, no, I was gonna say co-op was Lord a of big... the Rings living card game. That was announced. oh yeah, same deal as I'm Pandemic. All right, I'll continue. Yeah, I'm just gonna let you guys. You're tuning into a live. Angel reads the internet. He got real quiet when I said that. Oh, I guess that's it. Yeah. Well, oh, here we go. What was it? Um. Oh no, I mean, I found the games that weren't. Yeah. So, what? Which one are you thinking of? No, it's a whole list. Why are you making this so difficult? Right. I know it's not your fault, but why are you making it so difficult? Why can't you just remember? Just remember. Battleship Brigade. That wasn't it. You're not thinking of Hellblade, are you? That was in the no, direct. No, 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 no. Dead air. All right, I'll keep going. Yeah, keep going. So what I was going to say is co-op was a big thing in the Direct. A lot of games had co-op. as one of the two, like, buckets of games I feel like were announced. And the poster child of those games within the Direct was probably Yoshi's Crafted World. Mainly because Nintendo actually gave us a demo of the game alongside the Direct. Now, to be fair, they didn't actually show any co-op in the Direct, but it was there in the demo. It's it lets you, there. Yeah, it lets you play I played through. played it with Obis. Right. It lets you play through uh, the demo. It lets you play through the first course in three different ways. You pretty much double team the level. Like you take the back half of the screen, and I'll take the front half. And it's not even that big of a level, so, yeah, that, so that. So you yeah. can imagine how easy that was. Yeah, and and for those who haven't tried the demo, there are three things you can do in it. You can move forward Munchkin in the first is level. With Switch? Yeah, that's announced a long time ago. You can move forward in which you try and collect all items. You can move backwards in which you kind of like speed run through the back half, trying to find poochies, five of them. And then there's a bonus scavenger hunt, like collect-a-thong thing for a character with the amazing name of Blockefeller because he's a block man, and you have to find him five cows. So that's kind of what the demo has. What did you you point out? Oh, very Resident easy. Evil Four. Oh yeah, but that was announced a while ago. I guess I just didn't know. Yeah, it was announced in December. I think I mentioned it on the show in past. Yeah, Resident Evil, not. Resident Evil Zero, and Resident Evil Four. Yeah, yeah, they announced it in December. Of course, it comes back to Resident Evil because you only play two games. Smash no wonder and Resident it caught my Evil. attention. Yeah. No wonder. Saints However, Row the Third is coming to the Switch. What is Saints Row the Third? Yeah, That's that was announced a while ago too. Huh. We don't cover every single. Na- you were saying before how you kind of like the slower pace of Wii U releases. I'm gonna be honest with you. I like the slower pace of Wii U releases because it made it much easier to put together these podcasts. Because there was you just talked about you talked about all the news. There wasn't like a game where like should we bring up Saints Row? Should we bring up Resident Evil? Oh, Treasure Not is still planned to appear. Yeah. Yeah. Are you just going through a wiki list at this point? Uh, no. Oh. Well, anyway, was well, that was it? That was it. Was it? Ask you since I know you played the demo. You didn't just play Resident Evil and Smash. What did you think of Yoshi's Crafted World? Um, it was a very easy demo. <laughs> I don't know. Usually, demos are supposed to like make you more excited for a game, but I feel like this one just made me concerned mm. because, like, Wooly World, um, 
pretty much, I don't know, like, the controls felt really good. Like, everything, like, the challenge was just right. Like, everything was, like, I don't know. It, to me, it almost felt like the, like the perfect Yoshi's Island sequel. And then this one gets announced, and it's like, all right, it's already in a, heading in a different direction, but I'll wait until I play it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, after playing it and seeing, like, I guess, like, more footage about it or what the game is going to be about, it just feels... Suffer feels like way too easy, almost to the point where it's almost gonna feel like a chore to get through the levels because of how like mundane everything is. Like everything is really pretty, everything has a nice paper paper aesthetic, but I feel like that's almost holding it back. And now like like oh sure like the second level of the demo is the same level but backwards didn't really offer much of a change except for like the buildings which you could still like kind of see through. so that's like my concern i'm kind of just at this point it's like all right i'm just gonna have to wait till the later levels but a lot of it is just like regurgitation like they're literally trying to milk the, as much as they can out of one level like i could already tell this is gonna be yeah this but i'll start with like just on that demo you have to replay essentially the same area three times yeah one of those times like, sure, like, the first time we played it, we pretty much got a perfect run on it. So, like, we unlocked everything. And then we're like, all right, cool. We have no reason to ever go to that level again. It's like, nope. Um, that Poochies. That dude. Gotta get the poochies. No, the, oh, you mean for Blockefeller's cows. Yeah, Blockefeller's like, oh. Blockefeller's cows is a great uh, 1800s novel about the rise of the industrial <laughs> era. Like, all of a sudden, you have to go get cows back in that first level. And I'm all like, all right, so if I had stuff to collect still, I'm like, all right, that's cool. But since the game was... I was able to beat it 100% the first yep. time. Those that are like, oh, it's like, I have to do it because this is what I do with the 2D game, or the platformers. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I really hope it's not as That was simple. my concern, too. It feels like it got aged down, like, E for everyone to see to early childhood. That's, I mean, that's literally oh, yeah, great yeah, down. Yeah. I, I'm not, like, trying to jab at anyone. But. No, yeah, that's the lower... It's it's interesting because like I was under the impression you'd be flipping levels mid level, kind of like Paper that Mario. That too. I, I thought I thought it was gonna be like, oh, I have to go back now because I hardly missed this. But like, no, it's just yeah. You know, it seems like you literally, are, like you say, you're just doing the full level multiple times. Yeah. And like it, I I do like there are a few things I do like about the gameplay. I think the ability to aim the eggs into the foreground and background, like that's a small but welcome well, advancement. I like how they did it. Yeah. But at the same time. It feels like, oh, I guess this is like aiming 3D because you're literally just aiming the reticle how you would in 2D space. Yeah, and then it just but swings. it just auto yeah it just auto locks to just whatever. It makes me you wonder can... why they never did that in a Yoshi 3DS game where the 3D was actually 3D. Like it. Well, they had their chance in New Island. I know. But, like I'm just curious if like, are the flip levels always going to be independent? Like, will it always be a speed run of sorts where you have to collect five poochies, or will there be more variety? Because like. The Poochie thing felt different enough where it's kind of like... I'm sure there's going to be slightly more variety. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, maybe, like, the last level, like, literally, the last level will be like, whoa, this is what the whole game should have been like. That's how it always is with Yoshi games <laughs> and Kirby games. I feel yeah, like... Or even, like, I mean, because that's, like, kind of how I felt about some of, like, Paper Mario Sticker Star. Or yeah. Paper, well, I guess it's Paper Mario Sticker Star. They take so long ramping like, up. Like, that game definitely felt like the most Paper Mario of any of the Paper Marios before it. Just right. because of, like, its aesthetic. But then everything else got wrong. I, I do think the con to like maybe execution, no, but the concept of immediately needing to like kind of like low key speed run a level you did, but backwards is kind of clever. Potential. That's cool. That's pretty clever. But it feels like kind of missed opportunity in its current form. Oh, you mean like 
That one game where you have to play the game backwards. Oh god, what was that game called? Uh, I forgot. Yeah, we saw a it trailer. It was probably made by one person. Let's not be. Yeah, no, but we did see a trailer for a game where uh, the the premise is really neat in that what if the game's already beat and you have to unbeat it? So you literally do everything backwards. You you're bringing the boss back to life. You're retracting the fireballs. You're doing everything backwards. Execution wise, mm, but concept's pretty cool. I forgot what it's called, but it's on the eShop soon enough. Um, but yeah, the thing with, with the thing with Crafted World is like. I don't know. Like, I, I really do like the vibe of the game. Like, it feels like you're playing a little diorama, and the way everything has, like, a real-world texture is great. It's not just cardboard and paper craft. Like, the coins are shiny. The train is made of various household objects, like a little iced coffee can. Like, it kind of reminds me of Pikmin or Chibi Robo in that regard, because they also did the kind of, like, bringing in the real-world stuff. And, like, Yoshi riding a train, even though he had nothing to do on the train, it was pretty adorable, and I rarely use the word adorable. So, like, I'm all for that. And I also really like the attention to detail. Like I think it's super impressive when they do when you do like the the flip version going backwards. Um, it shows you all the boxes that were your platforms and your stage and everything. It shows you the backside, like what they were cut out from and put together from. So you th- see things like barcodes and nutrition facts and all sorts of little nods to the Bar and Mario universe. Like there was uh, there's a Moo Moo Meadows milk carton. And then this one I didn't notice, but Supper Mario Broth, that Twitter account I always reference with weird factoids, they noticed there's a box of Yoaster cookies, which is a reference to Mario RPG's Yoaster Island. That's a deep cut. So, like, there's there's attention to detail, and it's really cool for that. Something it that... just seems like it, like, they they spent too much time on costumes. Why did they have to make 180 oh, costumes? The, the, when the co- they, and by the way, the costumes are adorable. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel I was going to say that's an aspect that also really bothers me. You don't like that he's just wearing uh, armor of uh, random I mean, cutouts. I mean, I mean, that part's fine. Have you seen like the like, ones... like, like the costumes that they are is fine? But I thought, um, like, when my brother and I were playing, we're like, "Oh, cool, red and green Yoshi." And then we were looking at photos like, of there any other Yoshis, and then we looked through everything, and then it's just like green and red, green and red. But then eventually, yeah, you then eventually they show like, okay, so at least the rainbow color of Yoshis is there. They're on the intro, but then, <laughs> but then you see like, oh, I guess they aren't gonna bring back like the literally awesome variety of yarn yoshis and then i realized yeah. that yarn yoshi was just so much better like i just liked how yarn yoshi looked and animated like this one feels like he just feels really he's made sick. out of halves of tennis balls it doesn't make sense like his skin is tennis ball like it has tennis ball i mean fight. if you i mean i don't know like i thought it was like or when felt. you look at his model Might post, be felt. he literally the funny thing is that when you see yoshi in smash bros ultimate in his crafted world outfit yeah like he just looks like it just looks like yoshi but with like a soft texture to it like it didn't really look like it needed to be crafted or anything. It yeah. just looked like they just swapped the texture out. And then you look at the game and I'm like, all right, maybe it'll look more. It'll look better in the game. But it's like, nope, it looks exactly like it does in Smash Brothers. Then at that point, it's like, why even do that? Like, just keep it how he looked in Yoshi's Crafted. I mean, Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah. Where it actually looks like he's made of yarn, and then you have all the crazy yarn designs, and it just, just looks more distinct. It literally just looks like. Yoshi almost feels out of place to me. I, I think you're being too hard on the costumes, though. I understand your. Yoshi as a character feeling out. No, place. I mean, but why can't they have both? Costumes are so good. I'm not like, saying. No, I know. I, I know. They're bad. I'm just. I know. I'm just annoyed that it's replacing you Yoshi customers. You know what? You need. You need to scan your Yarn Yoshi amiibo when you get the game, because all the Mario amiibo will give you stuff, and the Yarn Yoshi one, it is crafted world Yoshi inside Yarn Yoshi. It looks like he's walking inside a giant rubber duck that has to be made of yarn and is green. It's beyond. He looks like he's like a Russian nesting doll. Like, with one of the big hats. It's really bizarre, but it's so great. And there's also the Labo crossover. Finally, it happened. We were like, oh, what are they going to do with Labo? May as well have, like, you can use your toy con. Nah, he just wears a piano. But it's there in its most bare form, its absolute simplest form. 
but yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying completely. I just, I just really like the costumes because I think they're kind of ridiculous because it's like these weird boxes. Yeah, they and are. He's just like he's wearing them like these weird cumbers- cumbersome dresses. But, but yeah, gameplay wise, I don't know. We'll I mean, have to I mean, see. What the costumes do just protect you from a hit, even though you already have a lot of health. To I begin technically with. don't even know what the costumes do besides aesthetics. They made they're it, supposedly armor. They, they, yeah, so. they made it sound like it was armor or something, but the game already. But you already have like twelve hearts. Yeah, and the game and the difficulty seems like it's not going to be that hard. No, not at all. But yeah, I, I do. The game's so pretty. Like I do. I mean, love, the Yoshi transformation that was really cool. It was. I I just I love the attention to detail in Crafted World, and I can tell that the developers are like, well, we're done with the game, but Nintendo doesn't want to release it. Let's just let's make it so when his tongue hits a pipe, it gets squiggly to indicate you can't proceed forward with your tongue. Like little things like that, like don't need to be there, but are. I um, mean, but that was in all the Yoshi games. Are they? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, I don't the squiggly that. tongue. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that. Yep. I saw that. I was like, that's clever. But I guess it's been clever since I mean, 1995. I, I guess I just have to... I mean, the game literally is different enough for it not to be compared to Yoshi's Woolly World. Yeah. But, I mean, it is called Crafted World and it looks similar enough. It's supposed to be the sequel, yeah. yeah. I, I think time will have to it, tell. Yeah, it, it's not a Woolly World. It's a Crafted World, so... You know, speaking of missed opportunities... It's like a different universe. Yeah, it's an alternate universe, I guess. Yeah, I don't understand, like, how, are we in, like... Like what's the what, everyone talks about the Zelda timeline, but let's let's what's the Yoshi timeline? What are these worlds? Are they parallel I universes? I always believe and still believe that there is no Zelda timeline. It's Zelda. There's literally a printed one in a book. Yeah, but that's dumb though. Granted, it has three different branching paths, but like what's because I, I remember Miyamoto or someone was quoted as saying that they didn't really think about it. Yeah, they, they originally thought of each game to be its own game, which yep. made sense to me because I mean that's how I took them. Like, oh, yep. they're just sharing the characters, but yep. then. Enough people just had to have a timeline, or were making one. And anyway then was like fine because people like to theory craft, so they're literally like, "Here, just take this." Yeah, I think you're right. So um, I mean, it's just like if someone tried to force a timeline on the Tales games, just because they all don't even get started on the Mario timeline. That's a new thing. There isn't one officially, but that's yeah. a new thing of like how would that even but work? You know, like, but, but Bowser has multiple but children game. that somehow are the same but different. Yeah, but games have to reference other ge- older games, and then people yeah. are like, "Well, that clearly makes it like a ton." Oh, well, it's canon. Yeah, like like the original Bowser actually died in the first Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, the second one was like his brother, and it's, you know the clo- the only thing that's come close to that is uh, Cranky Kong being Donkey Kong. That one I can follow. Yeah, yeah, and I Donkey mean, Kong I mean, being Donkey Kong Jr. Explicitly tells you, then yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah. I mean, in Zelda, like they didn't explicitly start telling you until at least like Skyward Sword, and those were true. Where it was like, oh, okay, this is how they made the Master Sword. All right. True. But speaking of, we were talking about, you know, Yoshi. Yoshi's kind of a missed opportunity. Speaking of missed opportunities, remember when EA revealed Unravel 2 at E3 and everyone basically screamed in unison, why isn't this on Switch? Yeah, I remember even someone like, they, they matched the Joy-Con colors. The Yarnies are li- literally the Joy-Con colors. And now, fittingly, uh, in this bucket of co-op games that we have, guess what's coming to Switch? Unravel 2. Oh, I was going to say... Uh, You're going to get something to Unravel Two Brothers... No, no, but that would also make sense. Uh, but yeah, there's not much to say. The game's available elsewhere, but I'm impressed how good it still looks. Like, I remember back when the game was unveiled, the devs were saying, like, oh, it's hard to squish it down. Like, we're not going to be able to do it. But they I'm did a pretty that, good job. How good that Blade game still looks, assuming that is how Hellblade? it looks. Yeah. yeah. Hellblade, that's such an interesting I mean, I mean, story. I mean, when that Hellblade. one first got revealed, it was like one of those, like, whoa, look at the visuals. And yeah. It's like, well, it's on Switch, and it still looks like that. What's crazy about Hellblade is, like, so... Ninja Theory is now a Microsoft development studio. It's it's like part of the Xbox Studio Collective. But they started the port of Hellblade before they got bought. So Microsoft's just like, yeah, see it through. So this is actually the second Microsoft published game, if you will, coming to Switch, besides Minecraft, hmm. which is interesting. 
Very interesting when you consider that Microsoft's also bringing Xbox Live to Switch pretty soon for third party for other companies to log into. There's Microsoft's going very broad now. But anyway, the thing I was gonna say about Unravel Two, not so much how nice it looks, although it does look very nice. EA, they just cannot catch a break. <laughs> it comes out Unravel Two comes out March twenty second, which is the week before Yoshi's Crafted World, and I suspect most people will gravitate towards Yoshi. Whether or not it's a good game, it's the bigger name. And if I were EA, I probably would have tried to get the game out this month. Like, why couldn't Unravel be out in the complete dead of February where there's no other games coming out, first or third party? Uh, but, alas, it's coming out the week before Yoshi. So hopefully, hopefully it does decently enough that doesn't scare EA away from more Switch support in general. Right, because at this point, now I'm more looking forward to Unravel. That's definitely more my woolly world. Yeah, than it is. It's, it's even though it's it's not the characters in a real world, in a real but... world. Yeah, actually, I would be down to get, play Unravel. That seems fun. Um, but yeah, both Unravel and Yoshi are part of a whole uh, string of co-op announcements. Ha! I had five myself for that one. But yeah, it's part of a whole string of co-op announcements uh, that also came with Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three, which now has the very timely Captain Marvel tie-in and new bo- uh, a new Box Boy game and Captain Toad Surprise DLC. And I think of those, I'm most excited about the new Box Boy game. Um, it's called Box Boy plus Box Girl, and it's out in April. And don't get me wrong, like all the Marvel heroes playable in a single game with Ultimate Alliance 3, that's cool and all. But I, ju- I just love Box Boy. It, uh, I feel like it was only a couple episodes ago when I was praising the series and saying they need to give it a new lease on life. Like stick it in Nintendo Classics, make a physical release, they deserve it. And what's great is instead of that, Nintendo's like, you know what, we're going to do you one better, Jason. Personally, to me, they wrote me this letter. Uh, and they gave me a whole new game. A big game. It's 270 levels. Split between new solo puzzles, co-op puzzles, which is a first for a series, and a set of bonus puzzles starring uh, a rectangle named Cutie, which is kind of like the Luigi to QB's Mario. So, or actually, as Nintendo put it rather bluntly, if I remember correctly in the direct, Cutie is the tall one. So, there you go. But yeah, I feel like this could really be the franchise's time to shine. Like, the co-op hook will make it that much more appealing to Switch owners in kind of the same way that, like, Snipper Clips was an eShop-only tile that blew up in the early days because it was a unique co-op experience. Where's that one-two Switch DLC, Nintendo? (laughs) Yeah, that's never gonna happen. We want to milk other animals, too. But, uh, yeah, like, if Nintendo were to give Box Boy and Box Girl a bit of a marketing push sticking on download codes and stores or whatever there's a chance this can actually become a pretty big franchise for them and like i mean not like top tier but you know decent and uh really what i'm angling at here now that i think about it is i just want my qb amiibo to come stateside it released with the final 3ds game in japan bye bye box boy i was in japan around the time of its release i went on a hunt for it it was sold out everywhere but if box boy and box girl bye bye box boy wasn't the last game that's such a shame you're why why is that a shame besides because, because it's called bye-bye box boy i already said my goodbyes and now he's back it's like all right it's awkward <laughs> it, i mean it's, I... Well, it's like that thing you know when you like our are... technology came back can i pretend you did say bye-bye or it's like one of those things where you know like you say goodbye to someone and you're leaving work but then you guys but you and the other person then walk in parallel like a little too long as like do we, do we acknowledge each other a second time now like that's i think what you're feeling with uh box boy. i'm happy it's back <laughs> I, it means i can get my amiibo but it sounds like you're Didn't not. Did you get the amiibo? No, I couldn't find it. That's the point. It was sold Didn't out. Did you even everywhere. go to Japan to find it? I well, not. I did go to Japan for it, but when I was in Japan, I looked. I would not spend that much airfare and hotel just to find a amiibo. No, I feel like you would. I might. Uh, but would you? Is this the game? I mean, it sounds like not because you're already ready to say bye bye. But would this be the box boy that gets you to jump in? Did it just require having both genders? No, maybe probably not. I don't know. I guess if I. 
feel like I need a game to play with Elvis, but at the same time, we have like Resident Evil 2. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's the single player, and the second one, yes, but we have I like a, how you got all serious. Like, well, how dare you? That's a single no, player if, experience. If, if you're gonna do something like that, you gotta get your facts straight. Um, I mean, we have like a bajillion, fair, we, have a, we have like a bajillion Tales games to play, so that's enough co op for that. Yeah, all right, that's fair. Um, I will say, if yes, you a bajillion. do literal if if you do want an excellent series of puzzle games box boy is that if it's anything like the 3ds ones you're also gonna be able to dress up your box in fun little outfits so oh boy just think about that before you turn it down that's all i'm saying but uh I, you know honestly i feel like how you feel about box boy eh, is kind of how i feel about captain toad like conceptually toad is your boy so let me explain conceptually i am He's on your board. boy he is my boy i i he is we are both always ready for adventure but um conceptually i am oh, all right not to not like that but like <laughs> it, like in the co-op mode where i can be the second toad and he can be the first toad and together we adventure in the literal sense you perverted man what? but i don't know uh conceptually i'm on board with everything they're adding i think baked in co-op is a no-brainer on switch I think the new special episode, which is what they're calling their paid DLC, that seems pretty cool. 18 challenges, 5 courses, that's a decent amount of newness. And then on top of that, they're adding super crowns to existing courses to find, so that's even more newness. And the fact that you can get one of the free courses now, even though, or one of the special episode courses now, even though the rest of the DLC isn't out till March 14th if you pre-order, that's kind of a cool little thing too they're doing. But I, I don't know, like it just feels like what the Switch port should have had in July is what they're now releasing in February and March. And I think that's where my hesitance is coming from because I feel like Nintendo knows this should have been day one content initially. And I feel like they know that because if you look on the eShop, they are selling the game in a new bundle. So right after the Direct, they immediately began selling the standalone digital version for $40 or the DLC for $6 or both of them together for a savings of one penny. Wow. Yeah. But Parmy's like Hooey. Yeah, but Parmy's just like no Nintendo, like all of that with the DLC should have been forty dollars. Like the game's not that old. It's not something you replay over and over. It's you know, it's a single player thing. Put co op, put the new challenges into the forty dollar total. And like I understand why they won't do this from a business perspective. Especially since the game sold, I think, over a million copies on Switch already. But I feel like if the special episode special episode is coming out later like it is, it should have been free to anyone who currently owns the game and then bundled in with the standard MSRP of 40 bucks going forward. Like, in other words, treat this like a low-key price drop and then a marketing expense in order to sell more games going forward. Obviously, this is never going to happen. I understand they want money. They'd literally be leaving money on the table if they did this. But it would certainly make the whole thing more appealing for me to double-dip. And really, Nintendo should just cater all their decisions around me and me alone. So what I'm saying, Nintendo, is drop that 5.98 from the bundle, make it 40, and I'm in. <laughs> so, but no, it's just like it seems like it should have been. This feels like it should have just been a deluxe version at the regular price with that stuff. Yeah, I agreed. But oh well, I second um, that. So it's not quite enough to get motion me carried. Dip. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, whatever the opposite of overturned is, abstained. No, not abstained. That's not right. Denied. Not denied. No, overturning is denying. Reject. Approve. Good for you. I'll just say that one. But uh, yeah, so motion carried. You already said that though. Motion carried. Then like, oh, I guess that is it. I said oh. I second it. Oh, whatever. Yeah. Point is, um, Nintendo's cater me more. Is all I'm saying. And this is how they do it. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, actually, one group they do seem to actually properly be catering to, um, the handheld only crowd. 
So these past few episodes, we've talked a lot about how 3DS is finally, truly winding down. Nintendo had zero 3DS game announcements in the Direct. That kind of backs the well, theory. Well, I mean, that's because they're going to have a 3DS Direct soon. Like I weeks. doubt that. And you know why I doubt that? Two weeks. Here's why I doubt that. Why? One, um, well, I guess they could announce for games in two weeks. But the real reason I doubt that is the games just the games that are coming out now for 3DS are not doing hot at all. Like Luigi's Mansion? No, that did okay. I mean, like the <laughs> ones that came out post holiday, like in this like 2019 year. So January what saw the came out? January saw the release of uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story plus Bowser Junior's Journey, which is quite a mouthful of a name, and that mouthful of a name only moved twenty thousand units in Japan since it came out. In the world of Mario games, that is the sales territory of eShop-only spinoffs and, I kid you not, Virtual Boy games. It's one of the lowest-selling Mario games. Hmm. For reference, in the time that Mario & Luigi was out and sold 20,000 in Japan, Mario U Deluxe on Switch sold 381,000 copies. So, well, 3DS is dying, is what I'm saying. It makes sense. I mean, it does. I mean, I mean, look at it this way. Bowser's my favorite character of all time. And you didn't even buy Bowser's it. Bowser's Story was my favorite game featuring Bowser of all time. Like I just And my favorite... Mario and Luigi game second to no yeah it's just my first one yeah and I still didn't buy it exactly and and this was after I fell in love with my 3DS all over again too exactly honestly but... the first one just felt it feels too recent that's just kind of me like it felt like it just came out I honestly keep thinking like wait it's not on 3DS and then I'm like oh I guess it isn't and and part of the thing is like it does feel very recent it's the tail end of the DS life but if part... they would have done Partners in Time I would have been on that like fly on honey <laughs> what <laughs> That's okay. A, that's a that's a thing. I, it, I sure, but I've never heard you say that before, and I feel like I never will again because I laughed, which is unfortunate. Sure, the flies will die, but they'll get they'll stuck. Be happy. So you're saying you want to take a Mario and Luigi Partners in Time remake to your grave? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Nintendo, stop catering me. Start catering to him. But no. Um. With the, the, the fact is, like, you didn't buy it. The new people buying 3ds's apparently aren't buying it. Did you it. buy it? I did not. What? No, I know. But no, my point is like people aren't buying stuff for 3DS. So with 3DS winding down, it's almost too perfect to see that Nintendo's 2019 lineup is now leaning on so many franchises that did super well on 3DS in its prime and are super portable friendly. You know, like we it, 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 we talked about before, games like Animal Crossing, a core Pokemon RPG, Luigi's Mansion, Fire Emblem, all those are like really popular in 3DS and now very nicely pair with those reports of a miniature Switch coming out or a Switch Pocket as I still insist on calling it. Um, but what really jumped at me in this direct is the extent to which Nintendo is gunning for the handheld-only crowd beyond those four games. There were a lot of games that cater directly to those people specifically, big and small. I mean, some are more coincidental than anything else. I think the best example of that is probably Bloodstained. Um, you know, Castlevania games have a very long history on Nintendo handhelds, going back to really going back to Game Boy Advance, and they're always big sellers. So to have the spiritual successor from Iga himself. Coming to Switch this year in particular is rather serendipitous, but other games definitely seem specifically tied for this transitional period, and they all kind of fall into this bucket I've dubbed the horrible, stupid name of anime, Japanese, Japanese anime games, anime slash Japanese, Japanese slash anime. That is my chime. How dare I? How dare I? I I didn't mute all three of my devices, and and I left one unsilenced. But you know why it was unsilenced? How else was I going to play Drop It Like It's Hot Snoop Dogg Kirby Remix? That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Good point. Thank you. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, you are drinking Kool-Aid. Why are you drinking Kool-Aid? Of all things? Yes. 
Um, like we have water. That it's... aforementioned Valentine's Day activity that we had with the kids. Mm, the six nine heart, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, um, kids passed out, passed out a lot of treats to each other, and they gave me actually a lot of stuff. I got a ton of good, really good treats, but um, one of them. Um, I guess the Kool-Aid was just kind of random that they gave me, but it's not as good as I remembered. Well, you certainly haven't been drinking the Kool-Aid when it comes to Nintendo's announcements, am I right? Oh, no. Anyway. Um, I, I stopped drinking that. You stopped drinking a long time ago. You, though. Nah, I'm somewhere in the middle. But anyway, the point I was going <laughs> <laughs> to make um, about this anime Japanese game bucket, Japanese <laughs> anime game, I don't know what to call it, but it's like... You know it when you see it. Stuff like strategy games, RPGs, story-heavy, narrative-driven adventures, things that look like anime. Like, I don't... My point is, I don't think it's a coincidence that Rune Factory is suddenly getting a big push on Switch with both 4 Special Edition and the announcement of 5 being developed, you know, being in development. And I don't think over in Japan that Nintendo announcing uh, a Switch version of Story of Seasons is a coincidence. I mean, it, also, that's a weird Story of Seasons because it's an unexpected crossover with Doraemon, the little cat guy, and his cohorts Mm -hmm. so that's kind of random but like that that's definitely strategically timed and you know they're both franchises that have done well on ds and 3ds even stuff like uh oninaki being announced kind of fits this bill i mean technically it's from developers of switch games they did i am satsuna they did lost fear uh they're the tokyo team at square enix but it caters to the exact same demographic that eats up all the jrpgs on 3ds and you know that this doesn't even include previously announced projects like Shin Megami Tensei 5 which also cares this market and supposedly at one point at least was coming out this year so uh, I, I think there's a very clear concentrated effort to cater to that demographic and get them on board with Switch coincidentally the year not so coincidentally the year that the Switch Mini is coming out where it's going to be the cheaper Switch to cater to that same handheld crowd but I not think confirmed. not confirmed but reported um, I think one of the best third party examples though of this whole trend is probably Dragon Quest here in the States the games do decently, but obviously in Japan they are huge. And I mean, there, there's a reason I mean, there were three separate Dragon Quest games in the Japanese Direct, which is one more than the already unusually high two we had in America. Uh, so we had Builders and Eleven, and in Japan they had Builders Eleven and the uh, Rivals, which is the free-to-play card game. Oh, It's a port from the mobile okay. um, mobile world, the smartphone world. They did not announce 12 at the same time as Eleven, although that would be pretty good. But yeah, like the the thing about Dragon Quest is the franchise... I mean, they announced 5 at the same time that they announced 4, so... And there's also, like, a deluxe edition of 11, because that one came out. Okay, that's a good point. That's a good point. They're both RPGs. That's a good point. I should start drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but the, uh... Yeah, the, the thing about Dragon Quest is... The franchise, in general, has just been intertwined with DS and 3DS for a number of years. Like, it kind of serves as a perfect bridge to Switch, more than even some of the other games. Like, to be fair, the... I should say the latest mainline entry, which is Dragon Quest XI, uh, that was released on PS4 here in the West. But putting this newly dubbed S Definitive Edition on Switch, having it be exclusive, having it be published by Nintendo, it is a strong vote of confidence in the game and what Nintendo thinks, I think, it could mean for bringing people to Switch in the first place. So that's kind of the significance to me. And honestly, like, even as someone who's never really played a Dragon Quest, I kind of get the appeal here. Like, this Dragon Quest um, Eleven, its full name being Echoes of an Elusive Age S Definitive Edition, uh, this game, like, it it feels to me, from what I've seen of it, kind of like the Breath of the Wild of Dragon Quest. And I don't mean necessarily in just the good? superficial ways. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, yeah, I don't mean good. It's, it's horrible, guys. No, I don't mean, like, superficially only. Like, Even yeah. Even debatable, but yeah. 
Well, I've heard it's pretty good. Oh, no, I'm talking about Breath of the Wild. Oh, oh, okay. Mr. I, you want all your Zeldas to be like Breath of the Wild. Okay. No, but, <laughs> no I was saying that whether Breath of the Wild was good is debatable. Oh. So, no. It's not perfect. I want them all to be like Minish Cap. Would you get? Would you play a breath a Minish Cap in the Breath of the Wild engine? Oh, yeah. I'll play anything that's new because I'm curious how it'll play. All right. Fair enough. Except you won't play Link's Awakening, apparently. So, got you there. You mean in... The, anything new in the breath of the wild 3d yeah engine. this is not yeah. i would i would play i would have played Link's awakening if it was done in a new okay. direction because then it's like i have a reason to yeah that's fair okay but the, the uh, game is not going to be any more fun than it probably was on the game boy because it's like the exact same game it true. just looks prettier so much prettier but anyway dragon quest we talked about this other earlier <laughs> not don't want to dig up that old conversation but dragon quest uh if you guys want to dig up that old conversation you can rewind approximately an hour and we'll be right there but the point I was trying to make about Dragon Quest is it does kind of feel like Breath of the Wild to me. I mean, the most superficial ways are the main character kind of looks like Link. He kind of wields a sword and he has a silly glowing emblem on his hand, which that's happened in Zelda before. And they also both – they both he's also, a chosen one of sorts. He's a chosen one. He has to open his eyes. They don't actually say that. But uh, they both have open worlds to both explore. Games they both – what? Both games have slime. They both have slime. Do they? Oh yeah, I guess they do. They both have a foraging system. Except in those are called choo choos, but true, slimes. true. But uh, <laughs> you mean choo choo? True, true, choo choo, choo choo. But uh, what I'm starting to say is they both have foraging systems in Zelda. It's uh, in Breath of the Wild, it's recipes, but in Dragon Quest, it's items or weapons. So you know, similar. But I mean, on a deeper level, there's actually they seem to both play into this idea of getting older or lapsed fans back in. Like Breath of the Wild, you made the point at the top of the show that like it is a return to form it is like the spiritual successor of the original zelda the exploration the free form progression doing what you want dragon quest 11 they're doing it more literally as a throwback by actually letting you turn on a throwback there's a 16-bit filter that will literally at any time convert like the game Monster into Boy? a super nintendo game again it's like that one game that came on the switch really early on except this one's significantly more at like it's a significantly bigger scale because it's the overall oh, yeah, it's yeah. but yeah it's that idea it's that exact idea it'd be if um, Resident Evil 2 the remake had a button and it literally fixed all the camera angles and like pretty much made it play instead of doing here's a better one it'd be like if uh, Link's Awakening and remake and switches you, back to and Game give you a Playstation filter so Link's yes, Awakening switching its graphics back is probably more what you're the simpler version of yeah yeah well no because I mean the reason I brought that one up is because it's changing the perspective of the game mm. like normally it's like an open worldish looking kind of behind the shoulder camera game right and like pretty much like Breath of the Wild and then it literally goes into a top down okay yeah I see what you're saying yeah. like that's pretty nuts that like, would be just, just the fact that, that they have to that I guess nuts. limit the the 3d one i guess in some ways because so that's why i think it's interesting is like the subtext here of this whole thing is if you like playing dragon quest as a kid if you remember dragon quest from back in the day this game can switch to it on the fly meaning this game will check all the same boxes as what you want just modernized like that they're saying you can add a filter but the the the, the underlying message is this is exactly the dragon quest you remember except modern but if you want modern switch it back at any time are you gonna get it I don't know. I've never actually played a Dragon Quest, so I'm kind of intrigued. Me I think neither. This, it, I think, like... I've heard good things about them. But... I've heard good things, and I think this seems... Our one friend could really vouch for them. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Yeah. He could. Th- this one, though, does seem like a prime example of how to cater to both fans and newcomers, honestly. Like, it's... Like, they're... 
this game is like really going after the JRPG crowd, but it's also seems pretty approachable. I mean, it. I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it's too complicated because it's sticking to like what worked in, back yeah, in the day. So I think it's a good like first entry. RPG series, each one is its own standalone game. Don't yeah. let the eleven fool you. It's not like. The 11th part of a grand epic. It's basically like Final Fantasy or Tales. Yeah, yeah so I'll be curious to see if Jason jumps into it. And I, I'm i curious if you jump into it there, throw it back at you. But oh, No, but I'm definitely not, though. Oh, well, okay. I, I mean, right, because you're playing Resident Evil 2 and Smash Bros. Yeah. No. Because, because Tales exists. Fair. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. I uh, okay. Um, but no, the... Uh, I, you, it's just like you, you kind of marry which JRPG franchise... Yeah, it's, it's kind of a lifelong partnership. It's true. I will say the Definitive Edition sounds pretty definitive. Orchestral music, voice acting, oh, yeah. new I mean, stories it, it, for it each character. Awesome. It like, looks really cool. I mean... If I, it's very pretty. If I wasn't trying to lessen my video game time as it is because I'm trying to get more animation done, I would definitely like, be jumping on all these games. But, you yeah. know, certain games also exist. But You don't say. <laughs> do, do, do certain games exist? And what are those games? <laughs> Please enlighten me. Um, so far, it's been Smash Brothers, Resident Evil 2, and Tales. Tales. Hmm. And at one point, God of War. Yeah, but that game's beaten for now. I will revisit it when I do the new game plus, but until then. <laughs> okay. Um. So, yeah, Dragon Quest is a good example of... Um, the JRPG point I was trying to make and the Japanese like anime game thing I was trying to make. But I think the granddaddy of this bucket of games that were in uh, the Direct is, of course, Fire Emblem. And Nintendo... Fire Emblem Hogwarts Edition? Yeah, exactly. Three houses. Like, Nintendo easily could have just made one of the same style games as what we had on 3DS, but they, in HD, and then the, call it a day. They even have the point system from Harry Potter. I know, but like, there's they had so much... I was just kidding about that. Do they? No. Not that I know of. Oh, oh, you mean the house points. When you said points, I was thinking like RPG like no, stats. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't know if they do. But it is very Hogwarts. But it's fine because like they could, like I was starting to say, they could have easily just been like. Think of the merch. Think of all the shirts. And I know. Oh, you chose that house? All right, then. I guess it's we're not genius. friends anymore. And, and the funny thing is like. Really, dude? That's what you're going to base our friendship on? And yeah, sometimes it's that easy. Keep going. I want to see where uh, the story the, goes. That They kind of just stopped talking after that. Um, they met each other. Does one sink into a deep depression? And they still alcoholic? share the same friends. So one of them, even, they eventually saw each other again at the wedding of another of their in between friends, and they kind of made up. And that, that friend was the third house, right? Um, and then no, fisticuffs broke out that, on the dance floor. That friend floor didn't really way. play video games. Oh, oh. And both of them, they're like, so did you ever beat Fire Emblem Three Houses? And I'm like, actually, I never even finished it. Me neither. And that was it. Well, at least they're on good terms again. Yeah. But here's the thing. If those guys were new to Fire Emblem, like if those guys came in through Fire Emblem Heroes, for example, Nintendo didn't need to give them these three houses. They could have literally just HDified the gameplay that existed in like one of the 3DS ones and called it a day. Like obviously a new scenario, but they how didn't did, need to reinvent the how wheel. How two hearts do or whatever that one's called? Two houses, two friendships, two hearts, two hearts. What? The, oh, the the no. The 3DS game after. Conquest, uh, conquer, birth, birth and conquer. Birth Birthright? And, in Conquest, whatever those are. They did well. They did well enough to get a third one on 3DS, so that goes. Were there two completely different games? Or there are two completely di- different games that shared a third uh, DLC-only ending. Wait. There's a black box, a white box, and like a third ending. The epilogue? Yeah. Wait, no, are you thinking about the the one with... I'm thinking about the one that came with the amiibo with the dude with the green hair and the girl with the pink hair. You're thinking of Echoes. Echo, that's the one I was thinking of. That's only one version. The one that had two versions for Birthright and Conquest. Oh yeah, but that one also had like two stories. I think. Like, oh, which one do you? Play? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I they all they've all done well. That's the crazy thing is like Fire Emblem's blowing up right now. Like, did you know? Just get an idea of like how much it's blowing up. Did you know that Fire Emblem Heroes 
since it came out on mobile, has made Nintendo half a billion dollars, according to Sensor Tower, wow. who tracks this stuff. For points of reference, Dragalia Lost is currently at $74 million. Animal Crossing Pocket Camp's at $70 million. Mario Run is at $68 million. Fire Emblem Heroes, again, $500 million, half a billion. Jesus. Yeah, so, like, like I was starting to say, if Nintendo just wanted to make a quick and dirty Fire Emblem in HD, they would have an audience, and they would be fine. So I was kind of pleasantly surprised to see that they did do the whole Hogwarts shenanigans. Like, one, the fact that Three Houses actually means something, give them and it's just they... so a title is nice. But I will give them that, even though the gameplay overall stays the same for Fire Emblems, yeah. I mean, well, I think like the core game, it like, does, everything yeah. around it, they do change significantly, which is really cool about that series. Yeah, and like this one's really neat because everything that you're used to in Fire Emblem, they figured out a way to make it make sense in this one. Like the bond system, which used to be performing like relationships. They're like, oh, buddies at school. Who do you hang out with at school? That's who your new bonds are. Or like, uh, you know, training, leveling up, all that. It's just like, oh, you go to class and you take lessons. Like it's really kind of a clever concept and um i'm sure ultimately the story's gonna evolve into some crazy tale where you as the professor of these students have to help with them save the world or whatever but i, just, I do like characters that's... better not come out and smash but there's a yeah seriously but i i do like this that echo so at least they calm down i guess for now yeah just wait i was actually surprised at how little fire emblem there was <laughs> in in the direct i thought they'd do like at least two announcements remember that time they had like four fire emblem announcements in a single direct Oh, well. Yeah, they had the DLC, they had uh, the tease of Switch, they had Echoes, and then they had the Amiibo or something, but they're all separate. Anyway, uh, I will say, school thing aside, um, production values actually look pretty good. I mean, the environments and the battle maps are a bit whatever, but I like how the characters in the world actually match how they look in the fully animated cutscenes now. They look full anime. Like, it's no more like chibi, not chibi, chibi again, not chibi again. They have feet. They don't have feet. They walk on stumps. What? Like, they actually got past that. Limitation, I guess. Um, yeah, I think so. So, at this point, I'm just curious to see, like, what else they can do with this school idea. Like, I think in many ways, the school thing is actually a play to the newcomers from Heroes and to longtime fans. Because the school setting means that they decide to over-explain how the game works. It doesn't feel forced because, like, that's literally the setting. You are learning about things in the world of Fire Emblem. You go to school. But it also provides a different enough scenario that the core fans, like, it stands out against those other Fire Emblems that the core fans will still probably play it and be happy. Which, um, frankly, is a good thing in my book that stands out because I was star- I still am kind of getting Fire Emblem fatigue. Like, don't get me wrong. The games are always very well made. And I haven't played any. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I haven't played any. No, you haven't. You no, prefer Advance no, Wars, right? No, I've played. I played most of um, Sacred Stones, whichever one was on Game Boy Advance. The three D. The yeah. The oh, 3D. the DS, the, the Ambassador Program one. Yeah, which is basically the Game Boy. Yes, yeah, the original one. Game Boy Advance. Yeah. But yeah, I, I uh, like all the games are very well made. Oh, I, I enjoy just them. It. I don't know why I stopped. Probably because Tales exists, but you know. Sounds about right. Or you knew in however many years Resident Evil no, 2. No, I think Tales of Abyss came out on 3DS. Uh, and then... That is what happened, I remember. Because yeah. I think you talked about it on the show because that was in our first year or something. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Um, Love that game. Yeah, what, what was I starting to say? Oh, yeah, the fatigue. Like, it. they are starting to feel... They were starting to feel a little samey. Like, yeah, they do different things. You're right. Each have a different scenario. But, like, that's actually what I liked about Echoes so much is Echoes did something different at least for us western fans it was the first time we got to have those third person exploration segments here in the west and three houses seems to be shaking up things in other ways too so i'm kind of i'm kind of hopeful that we're gonna get something a little more unique but i'm gonna still take a wait and see approach like i had the opportunity to pre-order the seasons of warfare edition you know that hundred dollar special edition because of like a soundtrack because you're like a smart person 
I didn't. That's my point. Mm. Yeah, it comes with it comes with a lot of cool stuff. Art book, soundtrack, a steel book case, a little 2020 calendar with art for each month. And I had it in my Amazon cart and I'm like, I don't know if I'm over my fatigue. I don't know if the school saying's enough and I actually backed out. Huh. So smart man. Yeah, so I guess I know where you stand. I mean, you you don't really play firearms because you have tails. So you're definitely not getting this one, it sounds like. But yeah, I, gotta, I am curious if they do local... Got to uh, get ready for that unannounced... Ta- well, confirmed Tales game, but unannounced. The for Switch. Switch yeah. yeah. I'm, I am curious if they're going to do a sort of uh, multiplayer with two Joy-Cons on one system for Fire Emblem. Mm-hmm. Because then that's an opportunity that you could maybe dabble in it on someone else's copy. That's true. Yeah, so... So, like, I mean, whether or not I get Three Houses or you dabble in Fire Emblem, um, I, I do like how what Three Houses and Dragon Quest and all these games, all these Japanese anime games, whatever you all call them, I like what they've done is they're creating an audience for Nintendo to experiment with, like, other games that share that kind of look and feel. You know, they're, like, Nintendo's more invested in, like, the anime game world than they ever were. Like, Astral Chain is arguably the prime example of this. I mean, could you imagine a game like that, complete with that cyberpunk anime style, coming out on Nintendo system six or seven years ago, published by Nintendo, maybe eight years ago. Like, it's because they've started going more into this world that they're able to do that. And I'm very glad it's here because it looks super cool. Like, that trailer... It does look pretty unique. I'll give it that. Yeah, like, I didn't... The trailer didn't explain anything. I don't know how, how it any of It feels very Platinum Games. and nothing. Oh, it's Platinum. It is Platinum Games. It feels very... It's very, like, Bayonetta with a different combat system, kind of. But it looks cool. Like, they didn't... Sh- explain a thing in the trailer but then they put out information after the direct and it's actually kind of neat so you have this person you're attached to or not you're the person and you're attached to this like creature thing it's called a legion it has a bunch of different combo styles you can enact where you can have you and the legion fight the same enemy at the same time you can have the two of you fight different enemies but you're sort of chained together so you can't go too far apart you can have the legion do the fighting and you support with items and there's always different scenarios where you have to do all different combinations of these and again it just looks super cool in motion like it looks so good and there's also a lot of talent behind it which means like it's not just like oh this is really showy and there's nothing there like they have besides it being just platinum games they have it being directed by the guy that did uh near wow i can't talk near automata thank you near automata uh the designer of that game uh talk i'm not gonna say his name but the designer of that game is directing this game and then hideki uh kamiya commit wow i'm losing you said it right the first time Oh, I did. Hideki Kamiya? Well, Kamiya, but... Kamiya, Kamiya. okay. He's the guy that's that... A, that's your equivalent of Kojima. No, I hey, I say Kojima now, <laughs> years later. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, Ka... Kamiya. Kamiya, thank you. He um, is supervising the game, and he, you know, he did Bayonetta, Wonderful 101, I mean, Devil May Cry. still so working on Bayonetta 3? They are still working on Bayonetta 3. Yeah. It probably won't be out this year, but they are still working. I mean, I guess with the rate that he's also producing a game, it's like... I mean, he's supervising this one, so he's kind of a little... I know, exactly, but it's like, oh, he's on the office today? Like, I guess I'll have to wait till Monday to get the check. Well, I guess this game's delayed. Yeah, but it's just... can't uh, improve it without Kamiya, so... But yeah, it's... it's, This talent behind this game gives me confidence that's going to be super, super cool. And it looks super cool. I I love the cyberpunk aesthetic. It's really cool. And what's crazy is it's coming out so soon. Like Bayonetta was announced like we have a new favorite franchise for you. Maybe Bayonetta was announced like a year ago and still isn't anywhere to be seen. Damon X Machina was announced a year ago and is coming out the same time roughly as uh, Astral Chain. And Astral Chain just out of nowhere. Like, yep, see October or August thirtieth. So, yeah, yeah. And I like honestly, Damon X Machina. I feel like if Nintendo wasn't priming the pumps with the type of games that made uh, Astral possible, it, we may not have gotten Damon X Machina for the same reason. 
And like Astral, uh, it's also out this summer. Unlike Astral, we actually were able to get a taste of it right after a direct courtesy of a four-mission early access demo that they called the Prototype Missions. Um, what'd you think? Did you check it out? I did. Um, I I mean, I don't know. The visuals were cool enough. I don't know. Everything about it is like... like Aesthetically pleasing. Aesthetically pleasing. Something felt satisfying. Like some of the movement, it felt... Everything felt like it was just like a couple inches off of like, yes, this feels right. Everything yeah. kind of felt like... Everything felt rough, I guess. But I mean, it's a prototype demo and I know they want a lot of feedback. So it's like... I don't know. Something is just isn't clicking, and I don't know. I'm having a hard time. Yeah, I mean, I'll cut them some slack because it's literally labeled version 0.1 on the tile screen. Like, yeah. yeah, there's definitely frame rate issues. There's resolution issues. Like, the thing, I don't even know what resolution is running in, but it doesn't seem like the right one. It, it feels but, like it has a lot of potential. Yeah, like, to me, it really felt like if Star Fox and Custom Robo had a love child. Like, I've seen comparisons online to Armored Core, which I've never played, so I can't relate to that. But basically, like, the way I felt it came off as was like think of it as like star fox's all range mode meets the kind of like duck and cover obstacle dodging robot customization or in this case they're called arsenals of custom robo and uh honestly if the story like why can't they just call them mechs why can't they just call it custom robo like if the story went in a direction in a different direction this could have totally been a, a like the evolution of the custom robo franchise but then again to be fair to damon x machina um the backstory of like AI that's been hijacked to corrupt other AI called like AI has been hijacked by other AI that's corrupt and are now called immortals um, trying to take over humanity because the moon came crashing down and we're in a post-apocalyptic future like that's certainly a more interesting plot than custom robos like it's like Pokemon but you have a robot so I get why it's not actually custom robo by keeping like oh there should be custom robo I love custom robo um, but yeah as a fan of both custom robot and star fox i do like how it kind of does meld them together uh it's rough but the potential i see the potential there i think like right off the bat even just in the demo there were so many customization options i mean your character your mech the controls did you notice you can actually set the controls any button you'd like to do anything and then have three separate pre-save custom controls they had three empty slots to do any control scheme you want plus the two they built in and that's on top, you know. That that's on top of all the little tweaks to like sensitivity. Like they want you to make the experience as much yours and the, as you can. And the fact that that was there in a prototype was I was kind of impressed. Like usually they're just like, well, this we'll bake it in later, but it was there right at the start. Like that, they seem to have their heads on straight with how to approach it, which is good. But uh, in terms of like actually playing, like maneuvering around levels and finding, you're right. It felt a little, at least to me, a little off. Like when you're like in the groove of it sliding on the ground or boosting around in the air you can kind of get into like a running gun rhythm as you take the enemies that's pretty fun um it's actually i do like that you can fly later at any time and then you can use a combo of that and boosting through it kind of swing your way around the stage pretty quick but yeah it's it's a, it's a little rough um another nice touch i thought was if you take too much damage you don't just die you actually could pop out of your mech and run around on the ground and get really a sense of the scale of some of these big bosses and stuff because there's a little guy with this little turret gun and you're getting crushed and squat like that there's no way to get back in your mech which is a weird oversight but it's a nice touch uh i think where it feels more star foxy than anything else is probably that you're the way like the presentation at least for me like you're paired up with other mech pilots there's constant banter between them they're all flying alongside you or need your help or need you to do something or get something like it felt very much like falco and slippy and peppy kind of talking in your ear 
Um, I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, but I think it actually would be ripe for like online co-op. Like just swap out those AI people with Man, let me actual get some teammates. Star Fox missions thrown in there with Star Fox crashing the party like he did. No, don't do that. Leave that to Starlink. But uh, no, this is its own world. But I do. I that's kind of the Star Fox parallel I picked up. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely room for improvement, like you were saying. I mean, besides not be able to get back into your Mac, I think they could definitely fine-tune even small things like the time it takes you to come back down to the ground when you're flying is so slow. And I know you can get an item that lets it speed up, but like the default speed should definitely be faster. And even little things like how easy it is to spot items, I feel like those... There should be clear beacons of where items are and all that. Um, but really, what, what's these are nitpicks. What's, what's there, I think, has a lot of potential. Like I really like the cel-shaded look and the overall style. Um... The menu, the UI, they're all slick, although sometimes a little hard to read because they're small fonted. But the the world is like this cool mix of Mad Max post-apocalyptic reds and yellows, like with kind of almost like a industrial city aesthetic. And I don't know, I, th- I think what's uh, most surprising is like in sharp contrast to something like Yoshi's Crafted World, this demo is long. There's a lot of stuff here, and it's actually difficult. Yeah, I think what is it, the Bravely Default demo? Exactly, or it was this Project Octopath Traveler back before they dropped Project and it's made yeah. it Octopath. Actually, it is Project Octopath Traveler. It's the exact same idea of you give feed, you play the game, they email you a survey, you give feedback, and go straight to the dev teams. So, or you just listen to this podcast because I was getting real granular there. But um, no, I was gonna say that there's actually a challenge here. Like, there's a challenge. There's different types of gameplay shown. I appreciate that. You know, we had all-out shootouts, we had boss battles, we had a sort of like defend your base mode, kind of like Call of Duty's zombies. They say it's an escort mission, but you're escorting a static building, so I don't really think it's escorting in the traditional video game sense. But, uh, yeah, I found that, like, you know, as I was actually playing through it, I played it for probably, I don't know, 90 minutes, a little more. I found that uh, it did actually require me to start customizing my robot, or sorry, my arsenal, to uh, properly adapt to what's happening in the different scenarios. Like, it really, it's, the core concept is there. So, like I said, potential's here. It's just kind of rough. Um yeah, I mean, we'll see. It comes out supposedly this summer, but they still have to collect all the feedback and everything. Octopath Traveler, I think it was about a year between when they did the demo, the Project Octopath Traveler extended demo, and then the final game. So I'm not holding my breath that Damon X Machina is coming out in summer, but supposedly it is. Yeah. Who knows? No. But that pretty much encompasses what the Direct had to offer. Um, what was kind of surprising, what wasn't there? For example, we heard nothing about any of the games confirmed for 2019 outside of Fire Emblem. Nothing on Luigi, nothing on Animal Crossing, obviously nothing on Pokemon. They do their own thing. Um, likewise, long rumor titles just weren't there. Metroid Prime Trilogy wasn't there. Star Fox Grand Prix, nowhere to be seen. Metroid, I kind of get. Like, maybe they want to release it closer to Prime 4's full release. Who knows? But Star Fox Grand Prix, that one kind of seemed like a shoe in. Like, if the rumors were true, it would make sense to have Star Fox Grand Prix be in this direct. And what's funny is that while we didn't get a Star Fox racing game, we did in the direct get a game where Star Fox can race. Just not a full-on racing game. Specifically, I'm talking about the new DLC for Starlink, where you can actually play as Peppy and Falco and Slippy, and you take down, specifically, Andrew, Pigma, and Leon of Star Wolf. Did they Wolf. toys to accompany them? I don't remember. They did not announce toys at all. Huh. But I think I just think it's cool that we're getting to be the not fox and wolf people. Like we get, it's nice to see the the second, Nothing. the supporting cast get it, a chance. It literally to shine. just feels like a full fledged Star Fox game at this. point. It is. I'm probably gonna double dip. That was probably all it took. But and I'm definitely more interested in this than I was in Star Fox Zero. 
it it's and, and from what i played at e3 starlink is actually pretty fun from what i've read of reviews it's actually pretty good it's just the the toy thing yeah but but the thing i was like honing in also, on was, it seems annoying to have to like oh if you want to change different parts on the toy like well, to change so weapons you like, could do it digitally too no yeah i know you can yeah. but like everything about doing it on the toy just feels un- like if you're if, pointless. if i could see if you're a kid it being oh yeah cool. yeah definitely yeah but as adult, I mean, I guess that's the whole as, adults thing. as mature adults people with sense. time i ain't got time for that you only have time for which games oh you didn't take the bait resident evil 2 smash bros and tails come on <laughs> i literally fed you the I, I don't know what you're even talking about oh yeah you don't play those games at all weird um no but the thing i wanted to bring up with starlink was I'm not the, the only thing i have time for just, just the games the games you have time for it's just that their existence prevents me from playing other specific games fair yeah I, um, I guess I'll play a bunch of other games the, the point I was going to make on. about <laughs> the point I was going to make about Starlink is um, we're talking about like oh the cool new missions for Star Fox there was a throwaway two seconds in that footage of starships racing and that caught my eye because the star the starships racing were Star Fox R-Wings and they're racing and now if you go back and look at what Star Fox Grand Prix was supposed to be. A strong single-player component. Branching paths. Ways to progress your character and level them up. A hub world. A crossover with another game. Starlink kind of has all of those things. Just in a different configuration than the rumor suggested. So I think there's a couple possibilities here. Star Fox Grand Prix may have never existed. It may have been a very weird miscommunication of Starlink. Or Star Fox Grand Prix kind of existed... As did Starlink, wires got crossed, Star Fox Grand Prix never moved forward, but they salvaged some of it to do the racing idea inside Starlink and just handed it to Ubisoft like, well, we're not going to do anything with it. Because there's no way they're coming out with two Star Fox racing games in 2019. No, that that's not happening. Yeah, I'm guessing it's coming to like what you said. Maybe, yeah. maybe like someone saw something, thought it was that, because that's just what they saw. Kind of like the the smash brothers leaks yeah like a long time ago like they saw like pretty much all of them were correct except like like chorus kids never happened but as we later learned at least with some of the older smash brothers a lot of the characters that were quote-unquote leaked that never made like oh mewtwo was in is gonna be in smash um in brawl but yep. then never happened and then later we're like oh yeah his data is in there he was actually planned so they probably saw it in like mid-development it's, and it's very much leaked it and there you go remember pokemon stars before the Switch came out, there's a rumor they're going to launch with a third version oh, yeah. of Sun and Moon. You know what Pokemon Stars was? Oh, we saw these animations of all, all these HD Pokemon that run alongside you. Pokemon Let's Go does that. Yeah, People the, take what the they thing see is that, and run with it. Yeah, I guess it was only because like, those like animations were of Pokemon not in Let's Go. That can't be in Let's Go. Oh, that's true. Because they were all but they might Pokemon. Have been pro- but they might have been prototyping yeah, exactly, yeah. using existing assets. Yeah, because, so. I, mean, I mean, obviously the next... I'm pretty sure, and it's safe to say, because I... Pokemon Fallen, you have been in the core games before, and I'm oh, Gen Eight sure, will do it for sure. Yeah, Gen Eight will do it for sure. So like, and those Pokemon will obviously be in Gen. 8. Like Gen Eight will have every main Pokemon game always has every Pokemon. So yeah, they're probably just priming that. Probably, yeah. but like in the case of Grand Prix, like there, I think there very well probably was a Star Fox Grand Prix at some point, and then again something happened with Starlink, and they got wires crossed, and people got confused, and then people ran with the story. The thing that was weird about Grand Prix is it was backed by so many legit sources. Like, it wasn't just the insiders. Kotaku, Jason, uh, what's his name from Kotaku? The, he's very reliable. He breaks a lot of stories about, like, labor issues and, like, 
you know, bigger, bigger game industry things. And he said he heard about it. And then IGN, like they apparently saw it at some point and described the graphics. Like it was more than just a dude on Twitter who's like, yeah, I know a thing. And then two other guys who like to be inside being like, I have heard similar things to the thing he said. What is the thing he said? I don't know. But yes, he's right. Like, you know, like it's bigger than that. So there was a Star Fox Grand Prix in some capacity. And I'm kind of bummed it ends up just being this because like it's cool that it's there in Starlink. Don't get me wrong. But I thought the idea of Star Fox Grand Prix actually had a lot of potential. I was pretty excited for it. I still think a Daycom Racing sequel would have made more sense in that mindset. Yeah. But, but I, I thought the Grand Prix idea was kind of clever. The weird thing that comes out of this is so if there is no Star Fox Grand Prix and if Retro only just started on Metroid Prime 4 recently, what were they doing for the past three years? Supposedly it was Star Fox Grand Prix, but that never materialized. Was it that bad that they canned the whole thing? I don't think it was ever Star Fox Grand Prix, but I'm also someone who just doesn't assume things. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going off what like insiders said, but these mm-hmm. insiders were some... Insiders. No, no, but I mean like they were like Kotaku and IGN and those guys. Like not just like... Like... You know, actual journalists. I feel like they're as reliable. As... No, they're more reliable. Because if you if you get that stuff wrong with any frequency, you lose credibility. And if you lose credibility, no one goes to. I mean, does anyone look at Eurogamer for Switch rumors anymore? Not really, because they got things wrong with Pokemon Stars and something else. That I'm forgetting. And now, like, they're not a source for insider Switch information at all. They lost the entire market because they got it wrong. I didn't even know they were. They were the. Or... They were actually the ones that leaked the. Uh, picture of what the switch would look like like the uh the, the the patent picture yeah which i guess is also why i like being out of that life yeah because uh, like those patent reveals of like the how when the 3ds got like leaked super early or the switch like it's just such a buzzkill yeah well i'm not gonna tell you about the new such one that leaked there was there was a uh there was a leak on uh you Friday. could tell me it exists but just don't tell me what it looks like well this is not just a system it was uh we'll probably talk about it next episode because there's not much. Actually, there's not even much to say about it. But well, Nintendo might be dabbling in VR with the Switch, and it might be a headset that you slip the Switch into, and it does VR. There you go. That's the whole rumor. Oh, I feel like people have found references to VR in the in the source code of the system, and now, um, and remember Emily Rogers? She wrote a thing for Nintendo World Report saying she's heard similar, and oh. her batting average isn't horrible. Hers is pretty decent. So oh, make of that what you will. That's underwhelming. Yeah, you yeah, taught me something core. Well, yeah, because I feel like people have been saying that forever since the Switch came out. Mm-hmm, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. look how easy it could be for them to do it. And it's now they're doing of, it. Yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of them doing it. But, but that might be their new, like, well, the, Labo didn't work. Let's try The only this. thing is, like, I mean, it has to produce two full, like, high risk screens at once. So it's gonna and it's going to split it in half. Quality. So, like, it's either going to die in battery so fast, or this current version of the Switch will only be able to do it at, like, maybe like half the frame rate like 30 frames or something and then there's going to be like a new model that's like pretty Switch. much like the pro like the playstation pro like yeah. they both play the same games but one can play it obviously at a much better fidelity so the other one would be like vr perfect for vr built for vr i guess and the yeah. other one that's like can support vr barely yeah that's probably how it's gonna go because i mean there was a lot of speculation that oh the new switch that's coming isn't the switch mini it's a switch pro and i was like nah or like the internet wanted that and then the you know, Wall Street Journal and Nikkei and all those are like, no, that's not what's happening. But it doesn't mean a Switch Pro can't happen. Nintendo has a history of doing half spec bumps, you know, like the yeah. DSi or the Some of them aren't even really announced. New three D S or yeah. or the Game Boy Color had a or had a spec bump. They also have a history of downgrading their systems. Yeah, they do a downgrade, then they do an upgrade. Yeah. That's usually the pattern. So it'd be mini this year pro. Well I mean like how like the Switch went from having GameCube support to not GameCube support. What? The Wii, the Wii, the Wii. Oh the Wii, yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that was the budget last to, Hail Mary to get over a hundred million. That thing got literally stripped down, like all the way to the end to like the Wii Mini, where like it literally just like the bare bones disc drive of the Wii. Yeah, and it didn't even have like the. It was like a game. Didn't even like, con- couldn't even connect to the internet. Nope, it was very stripped down. Yeah. It was it was literally just like can we let's see how many more switches or Wii's we can yeah. sell. We're literally using like the least amount of money possible. Seriously, that thing was. I mean, it looked okay. It was just yeah. Not the best design, but it's all right. It's kind of Fisher Pricey, but whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was one other game that was brought up in the direct, and then nothing was said about it. So it kind of falls under the what wasn't there bucket, I'd say. And that was one of the games you actually play, <laughs> uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Yeah, which might as well not have been in this direct because they're like, version 3.0 is coming. What's going to be in it, you ask? You have to wait to find out. It's like They did no, show the first don't... in-game model of Joker. Yeah, like barely. I know. It's like I'll, I don't know. I hate this. Like I literally hate that. <laughs> I will say if they don't like, release, don't even tell, especially because it feels like version two point just came out. Yeah. Even though, albeit, it was just an over glorified, like balanced adjustment. Like I feel like that one didn't have to be a version two point oh because it's been like one point something. I they, almost, they didn't really add anything. It, it, tr- this one feels like they're building player it. spirit mode. Exactly. They put <laughs> nothing in it. Like if Oof. it feels like that they're. Hurts. I love spirit board. But, uh, I mean, it should have been, like, a 1.5. This one feels like yeah. they're building it as, like, a, like oh, we're actually going to add some substantial stuff. You know, I agree. You, you'll wait and see. I think one thing they have to add, oh, oh, oh. one thing they really have to add, they were supposed to do it early in 2019. Now it's April probably with 3.0, but they haven't even confirmed this. Where is Smash World? I know it's an insignificant thing that no one's going to care about. probably come with 3.0, maybe. But it'll probably come with 3.0. But, like, they got it. They have the app. They have the Switch app. They have this thing of, like, watch pros play, watch, like, videos, watch highlights of your friends. But they have no anything about when it's happening how it will work when it will work who it will work what it will work mm. why it will work I think I fit all the questions um, but yeah we, we know literally nothing so hopefully in April that shows up I, I honestly suspect Nintendo threw in the 3.0 thing because there's like people are going to ask about Smash if we don't feature Smash people are going to be like where's Smash so at least we can say we hear you where they're like preemptively being like we see you but it was kind of unnecessary yeah, they also feeling. wanted to get more Amiibo, which I still haven't gotten oh, any that, from the new one. Oh, that's why they brought it up. It was for the Amiibo. I'm surprised you didn't get any of the Amiibo, aren't you? I haven't gotten any of those yet. Okay, are you going to? I don't know. I was at Best Buy. I saw the Ridley one, and I'm like, I obviously love Ridley as a character. So why did you get it? And I just couldn't get myself to buy it. It's like know. me with the special edition of uh, Fire Emblem. It's like, I don't know, I just couldn't even... Th- I don't know, maybe I'll get King K. Rool. Just because I, I like him more. It's a fat I amiibo. Mean. I mean that both with a PH and an F. Like, it's cool looking and it's physically very but, large. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, uh, you know, it's a whole, like, you can't just get some. Like, I would want to get all the new characters, but then it's like, I don't really want to get Daisy. I don't really want to get... Yeah. Um, Who else is on you that I don't really care about? Uh, Piranha Plant. You're welcome. Yeah, you'd be a cool amiibo. Interesting. I thought you'd be against that. Or not against it, but indifferent. I mean, I just said, like, he exists already, so, like, I... That's true. Yeah. But, yeah, mainly just, I guess, Daisy. Yeah. That's that fair. Oh, Isabel. Yeah, I don't need an Isabel Amiibo. Don't, oh, you, don't, don't you already have an Isabel Amiibo? I do not. Huh. I would get an Isabel Amiibo if Why I'm did at... you assume I have an Isabel Amiibo? <laughs> I don't know, because you seem like you would have one. Um, I do, but I don't. Because I know if you're lucky enough, in some GameStops, you could find Amiibo Party or whatever the, or whatever it's called. Ammo Crossing Amiibo Party. No. Festival. Festival. 
Yeah, if like you're look, the Disney Tsum Tsum Festival. If you're lucky enough, you could find that game for two cents on on GameStop. What? Yeah, with the amiibo. I want it. I want to do so, that. So every once in a while, when I go to a GameStop, I'll just literally go in just to look for that because I'm like, I wouldn't mind ha- getting a game for two cents. If with they have amiibo. two copies, can you get me one? Um, no. Okay. I'll take a picture of it and send, send it to me and be like, "Ha ha, sucks, be you." And on that note, that does it for this episode. <laughs> Unless you have anything else, that's just no. you denying me my my two cent amiibo feels like the right way to end the show. We don't really have a what we're playing this week because uh, we kind of talked about it as we went through the episode. But we'll be back in two weeks with what we've been playing. Um, I promise Pool Panic. have you been playing? Uh, Pool Panic. I will have impressions. Also, uh, we have a new game to check out called Battle Loon, which it's weird because it's published by Sony, but it's on Switch. So you can look weird. forward to those impressions, plus, of course, the latest news and all that. So uh, to make sure you don't miss it, you can subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, YouTube, over at our channel, RamNintendo.com. Um, tune in, which is both a thing you should do in two weeks and a service we are on uh, and others that I'm blanking out on. You can ask Alexa for us. That works. You can ask Google for us. That works. Anyway, we can also you can also follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo. I'm JSR7 on Twitter. Uh, Angel is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O on the Twitters. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So we'll be back in two weeks' time. And in the meantime, if you have not experienced the glory of Tetris 99, I highly, highly recommend you do. It will change your life, at least for a minute or two.